Sox earned this celebration here at Yankee Stadium with the biggest comeback in postseason baseball history. Today on Steel Toes and Scoreboards, we cover the Boston Red Sox comeback of the 2004 ALCS. Steel Toes and Scoreboards podcast. Like us on Facebook and Twitter. Hey, Kurt, want a hot take? Yeah. Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. He was a great two-strike hitter. Bill Lambeer would have made Shaq piss himself. You really think so? It's Shaq, dude. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Fun fact, Kurt. I love deep stats. Good research, bro. <laughs> Word association. Greatest of all time. Tell me how you really feel about pro sports. These contracts are out of control. Some people might not like that. Well, I'm going to pay some people off. <laughs> well, I mean, you sure will. You're the baseball guru, though, man. Shout out to my coach, Joe Rodmaker. Well, it is a digital world these days. Yeah, I'm an analog man. Tiger Woods. Mount Rushmore, bro. Coach Bobby Knight. IU misses him, no doubt. Times have changed. But for the better of the worst. No, that's, that's arguable. I'll tell you right now, though, I'm, uh, it's modern age. I'm not drug testing for pot anymore in any sport. It's a damn plant. <laughs> they fire and suspend these guys for weed? Ridiculous. I'm a fountain sure of bet. useless pro wrestling. Sure now. bet. Sure bet. <laughs> Sound like Adam Sweet. Sure bet. <laughs> he was a role model for millions. Rest in peace, Mamba. Team Ali. Team Tyson. You know what? Fuck it. You're baseball's new commissioner. Oh, I don't want that job. <laughs> oh, horse shit. Come on, bro. Magic versus Bird. What a rivalry. Okay, okay. Boost ratings. Ashes in the seat. You know what? Hot take. Tap the mic. He's the best I've ever seen. Nobody compares to him. Look at his legacy. Oh. All right, guys. Another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards coming to you now. Alright guys, Jared Atkins alongside Kirk Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Kurt, how the hell are you, bro? I'm doing better, bro. I've got something <laughs> in my belly. Yeah, man. Shout out Monty's Pizza. <laughs> Kurt uh, Kurt bought us a little supper tonight. Right on, bro. It's pretty good. So, uh, I want to start off by saying uh, any audio you hear in tonight's episode, all rights go to the copyright owners and the proper parties. We do not own any audio we share for sure for sure and i'd also like to start by saying to the best of our knowledge all information talked about tonight is factual and true unless they are of our opinion absolutely <laughs> you just just chime in a little bit <laughs> that's your job i'll just do all the work and you just throw in a little side jab here we are so um we got a hell of an episode playing tonight. Uh, speaking of side jabs, an old Red Sox give a side jab to the Yankees there in 04. Yeah. So uh, you guys heard Joe Buck's call at the beginning. We're going to revisit. We're coming up on the 10th anniversary of the 2004 ALCS between the 
New York Yankees. And the Boston Red Sox. But, I mean, I'll give them an applause. Yes. So, Terry uh, Francona, you got to like him. Yeah. So, um, I guess we should put a bow on last week's episode. Uh, yeah, bird magic. I didn't hear a, a bit of feedback from anybody on that. Not yeah. saying that it sucked, but, I mean, it probably sucked. Everything we do sucks. But <laughs> <coughs> we're building downloads every day. That's the main thing. But, uh, damn, I've got a lot of fucking feedback. Technical difficulties here. Trying to uh, please stand by. Try and adjust my mic, the volume in my headphones. You good? Yeah, I think I'm good. Yeah. Oh damn, you're coming through good. Maybe I'll turn my mic up. There you go. Can you hear the buzzing in my mic? Yeah, a little bit. What wonder f- what? Wonder what that is. Uh, maybe because we're sitting closer together, we didn't rearrange the furniture tonight like we normally well, do. Right. Oh well, we'll deal with it. I'll just turn the mic down, staying closer to it. Well, that could be a loose connection somewhere. I hate loose connections. Oh, me too. But huh? I never, I never heard any feedback from Bird vs. Magic, which I was pretty proud of that episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I liked it for sure. I mean, of course. but I'm, I'm super excited about this. Yeah, we it, are, me too. Uh, we are, we are officially in postseason, yes, postseason. baseball. So yeah, I'm a Dodger. Damn, yeah, that echo is. If it, the echo bugs me, the Buster buzzing bugs Posey. Buster Posey. Yeah, he's pretty good. I don't like him. Buster Posey. <laughs> yeah, him and uh, Dodgers advanced, though, did they not? Yeah, they did, but they got thump. They got shut out last last night by the Giants. That's why I say Buster Posey hit one in in the water out in right field. I can't think of the Giants manager right now. Uh, well, it used to be Bruce Bochy. Yeah, it used to be Bochy. Is it I'm still Bochy? I'm not sure. It's a good question. That's going to be a future. No, I don't worry about it. That's going to be a future episode, too. I've got it on the list. The, the dominance that uh, yeah. the Giants had. They won the World Series in 10, 12, and 14 uh, right. every two years. Who's uh, Hunter? Uh, Hunter Pence. Uh, Pence. Uh, they had another guy. See who was it? They had some, they had some great pitchers. You had Timmy Lincoln, which looked like the yeah. kid from the Days yeah. of Confused movies. Yeah. You had the beard Brian Wilson. Well, Bumgarner wasn't there yet, Matt, and and Bumgarner. Yeah, I was trying to get through without. I hate Bumgarner. Like him neither, but he's a good pitcher. <laughs> well, he's washed up now, like Ben. Are you are you throwing some shade at your own Steelers there? Well, I mean, you got to know when it's be done all right well before we get started let's uh we're gonna try this a little different tonight tonight we are brought to you by glary guitars check them out on facebook check them out at glarymusic.com glary is spelled g-l-a-r-r-y very very reasonable and affordable instruments guitars basses mandolins violins uh, I bought an acoustic in January. Bought two of them. I tell you every episode about eighty bucks. Looks and plays like a three or five hundred dollar guitar. Uh, setup was very minimal. Right out of the box, had to adjust the the neck a little bit. And uh, anyways, give them a call one six zero six four zero four six two eight six. Or like I said, check them out at glarymusic.com. Get with them on Facebook. They're great people. Great people. So, uh, brought to you by Glary Guitars. All right, man. Uh, let's do a timestamp. Tonight's going to be a late night. 
It is uh, October 9th, 2021. We are at about 8.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, sitting in the mansion kitchen <laughs> of Kurt's <laughs> single-wide castle. That's right. Alfordsville, uh, Indiana. We Shangri-La. did a little backroading. Yep. Shangri-La. Uh, yeah. Seen some deer. Yep. Wouldn't mind deer. spotlighting yep. for some deer and some dogs. Dogs is code for coyotes. Yes. But, There's uh, uh, plenty of them around here. Oh, I guarantee it, bro. You know, I didn't hear a single bobwhite quail this year. That's not good, bro. That's because the coyotes got them and all. And there's bobcats. <laughs> and there's luck dogs. Luck. Ooh, he's mad. He is pissed. Luck's house moved across the street. Sorry, buddy. It's okay, Luck. Come here. You want to say hi to everybody, buddy? Ooh. He has a hard time getting up and down. He's like me. He's fat. He's so fat, he lays down to eat his food. That's a man after my own heart right there. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty pathetic. Spoiled, he's, he's a spoiled, rotten baby. Yeah. yeah. All right, bro. So uh, you ready to do this? I want to start this by saying that I was a high school sophomore. So I was in 10th grade. And... Uh, this was during a time there was a there was a couple year period there in high school where I was just up my, my head was up my own ass, so I didn't pay attention to football, hardly baseball or anything. I wish I would have paid better attention. I remember this series, but I never watched a game of it. But uh, the the hoopla that followed this, you know, the comeback and then them sweeping the Cardinals in the World Series, and it, it, it this would have been some great shit to remember. Yeah. But thank God for YouTube. Uh, for those of you out there who have access to uh, ESPN.com and and their ESPN Plus apps and everything or YouTube, uh, ESPN's got a program called 30 for 30, yeah. which uh, it, it's a great program. They have so many episodes. ESPN did a story on or a, an episode on this uh, several years back called Four Days in October, and it is one of the best sports documentaries I've ever seen in my life. Epic. Yeah, hell yeah. Epic. So... Seriously, you guys, check that out. Four days in October. Trying to adjust. I remember some of it. It was a little bit fuzzy back then. But, uh, I hate, you can just hear that right on the mic. I hate that. Be nice if we had fucking scissor stands with the boom mics right there, uh, bro. Yeah, I know. I need to shell out some money for that. Yeah. But okay, let's, let's get into it. So, uh. And as always, I'm going to talk some notes and read some notes. So, the 2004 American League Championship Series between the two AL East division rivals, the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox, was a series of games that will be remembered forever. It's something I won't forget. As I mentioned, I was a high school sophomore. This was actually a rematch from the ALCS just a year prior. And without any question, this one surpassed all the memories of the first one. You know, people talk about Aaron Boone's walk-off home run, and that's great. That's a memory, but but this blew that out of the water. Um, <clears throat> for the Red Sox, no doubt the agony of defeat from a year earlier was still lingering oh, yeah. in their hearts and minds. And this series almost got away from them. They were down three games to none heading into game four. And what happened in that game and the games that followed has become part of Major League Baseball folklore. Yes. As the Red Sox became the only team to date in any of the four major professional sports franchises, which is the NFL, the NBA, 
Major League Baseball and the NHL. They became the only team to date at that time to start a seven-game series 0-3 and go on to win not only the ALCS but the World Series. They are eight in a row. Eight in a row. Insane. I mean, that's a team and, uh, nobody it just, wants to play. It just so happened the AL had a wild card, one game wild card playoff a couple nights ago. Yes. Red Sox, Yankees. Yes. Sox got them. Yes. We'll talk about that at the tail uh, end because yeah. this this ties into that. Yeah. So I, I think the series one one right Rays. Uh, I think right now I think uh, Boston tied it yesterday one one. It thumped them. Something. So, and. Uh, you got to give respect where respect is due. The Yankees are a phenomenal sports franchise, but I hate them. Uh, so this one has a little more about the Red Sox in it than it does the Yankees, but I tried to even it out during my research this week. And then, like I tell you, I, I wasn't sure after you picked this, and then I wasn't sure about it. I let it go a day or two, and then – I think the third night I was working because I'll do just with the schedule and me working two jobs. I don't, I can't devote hours on into right. it anymore. So it's got to be a chipping away at it a right, little bit at right, a night. Right. So basically every night at some time from when I'm working, I get home and shower and eat by nine thirty to like twelve thirty at night. I'm I'm invested in this. But as I chipped away by day two or three, it's like man, this was a good series. Absolutely. And like I said, I didn't watch any of the games. I wish I did, but I checked all the highlights the next morning. But So, anyways, this thing really gets started following the Red Sox losing to the Yankees in the 2003 ALCS. So this whole thing starts yes. a year yes. prior. A lot of bad blood between the two also. Right? That Well, yeah, that, that year in 2003 was the year when at the time it was still the 85-year curse of the Great Bambino, and it looked like that was going to be the year it was broken. Boston had fielded one of their best teams in franchise history. The 2003 Red Sox finished second in the AL East to the Yankees. They were only six games behind them. Boston finished 95 and 67. The Yankees finished 101 and 61. So it's a back and forth series. We go to three games, shoot to game seven. Pedro Martinez on the mound. Bottom of the eight. Boston leads 5 2. Red Sox skipper at the time, and he wouldn't be after this. At the time, Grady Little decided to leave Pedro on the mound. When it's apparent, dude's, yeah, dude's gassed. He's <laughs> yep. gassed. Yeah. So Great things effort. began to unfold. The Yankees mount a comeback. And Aaron Boone hits a walk-off home run in the 11th to send the Yankees to the World Series against the Marlins, breaking the hearts of everyone in Boston, which, by the way, for those of you that don't remember, the name Josh Beckett. Yes. Josh Beckett destroyed the Yankees. Hey. The Marlins beat the Yankees in the 2003 World yes. Series. Josh Beckett was a starting pitcher. Pudge Rodriguez was a catcher. <laughs> uh, so, did they have Le- Le'Veon? Uh, Le'Veon might have been there. I think he so. He might have been. Uh, I didn't bother to go that far. So, their hearts are broken. So, general manager Theo Epstein and other top brass knew changes needed to be made. No more. Garcia Parra. Pedro Martinez, Jason Veritek, Veritek yeah. Derek Catcher. Lowe, and Big Poppy were all in the last year of their contracts with the Red Sox. Now, some of these guys would resign, but it was pretty much apparent this was going to be the last year that all these guys were right. going to be together right. going into 2004. With some changes and a little bolstering of their roster, 
Epstein really believed going in that 2004 could be Boston's best chance at a push for the World Series. And they decided to start reloading the team. In November of 2003, they announced they had acquired pitcher Kurt Schilling. Phillies. Phillies. Previously of the Arizona Diamondbacks. This meet that with Martinez, Lowe, and Schilling, the Red Six... Red Six. <laughs> the Red Sox finally now had a top three rotation. So right. things were looking good in the bullpen. December, it was announced that pitcher Keith... Remember Keith? Um, Folk? Folk, okay. Folk, yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. Had been acquired. Yeah, F-O-L-K. Fuel Folk? Folk. Maybe. Anyways, everyone knew Grady's mistake in the last game in 03 would cost him. And in November, just a few weeks after the Red Sox acquired Kurt Schilling... They announced that he was out the door, and Terry Francona had been hired as the new manager. Now, Francona, Phillies, Phillies, Phillies. I love my Phillies. Francona had the experience. He was a manager in Philadelphia. He was in the front office of Cleveland. He was a bench coach for the Texas Rangers and the Oakland Athletics. So he had. He also played uh, Montreal Expos. Where he came up, I thought he did. I didn't bother to fact check that. He did. I'm pretty sure I remember. But I back think he did too. Yeah, he, I didn't I, think it was necessary information, but that's why I like you to bring shit up. Good, give me dap. Good job. He started his whole baseball career in, in Expo Montreal. A. He was in Canada. A. 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 Maple syrup. A. <laughs> Gonna go over here today. A. A. <laughs> catch me some fish. They, they also. That's what I love about Wisconsin, because there's a lot of French in Wisconsin. They answer every question with a question. Kind of hot today, or no? <laughs> or no. You want to go to the Packers game today, or no? <laughs> no. <laughs> Dude, fun fact, getting off sidetrack since you started, since you mentioned Canada. So when I went to Wisconsin, when I went up to corporate for a Kaizen, went up to Wapaka, Wisconsin, up in Wapaka County. <laughs> so I had the best beer I ever had in my life. It's called Spotted Cow. Best fucking beer I've ever had in my life. Anytime anybody would go up north, I'd give them $36, $40 to bring me back an 18-pack. It was what like was 40 name bucks. It? Spotted Cow. Spotted Cow. So we go out to eat. You, just, you guys just have to listen to get off on this sidebar because this is the best beer I've ever had in my life, and God, I desperately want more. So every night we're up there. We're up there four nights. We go out to eat local somewhere every night, right? This is a city that's smaller than Jasper. Okay. But there's several places. We're eating at this place called The Harbor or the Clearwater Harbor on Taylor Lake or something. I don't know. We're sitting there, and I'm in the bar, and I keep hearing, I'm looking around, and I'm telling the guys, I'm like, am I fucking going crazy? I'm hearing a cow. I swear to God, I hear a cow. Finally, I asked the the waitress. I was like, why the hell am I hearing a cow? She goes, oh, spotted cow, eh? Greatest beer ever made, eh? New Glarus Brewing, eh? I was like, what? She goes, you want to try some or no? On the house or no? Spotted cow, eh? <laughs> the, it was on tap everywhere up there. And the tap head was in the shape of a cow. And when they would pull the tap head down to pour it, the cow would fucking move. <laughs> so she said, ah, you're not from around here, eh? Well, that was kind of Spanish. <laughs> She said, oh, you're not from around here, eh? I said, no. I said, I work at one of the Southern Foundry. Oh, one of the ones down south, eh? Here you go, on the house or no. And she sits down, and I'm telling you all, this was bigger than like a 26-ounce glass. I don't know what this was. It was on the house. And here was this beer. Now, the tricky part about this 
is most craft beers nowadays and stuff or ale beers. You go to all these beer places. They got a lot of ale. I'm not an ale beer guy. I like lager beer. The problem with this is this is an ale beer that is aged, drank, looks, tastes just like a lager. So it's tricky. Ah. And when she gave me that and my lips hit that glass, beer. I'm telling you, dude, the best fucking beer I've ever had in my life. Uh, uh, I will show you a picture when we go off air later. Beer. But it's, you, it's, you, want, you want a cold beer? I love hey, you want beer? beer? You want I'm beer? going to give me a beer. You want a beer? Oh, my God. I think you still have beer in your fridge from the uh, first episode uh, like uh, six months ago. Not a beer. I just think... I don't do much beer anymore, but anyways. I can't take a hop. So I hope you appreciate that five-minute sidebar about Kirk Talk Canada and just. Sorry, I, Terry Francona's fault. He's, he's from Canada. <laughs> okay, so anyways, <coughs> Francona right out the gate. God damn it, Kurt. Well. It's going to be a four-hour episode tonight over only nine, 17 pages of notes. So anyways. Francona got a little got a lot of heat in the beginning because they thought he was being too soft on the players. Well, you got to understand, people hate New York and the Yankees. People also hate Boston sports. You know, Bruins. Fuck you, Tom Brady and the Patriots. Yes. Well, I mean, he's not a Patriot anymore. Well, people kind of hate Boston, and Boston gets a bad rep. And the Red Sox were at this time in 2004, so we're about 17 years ago. They were kind of different than any other team. They were a bunch of idiots, and they even called themselves idiots in the media. Thank God Twitter wasn't a thing. Uh, they would just do stupid stuff, hijinks all the time. They would drink Jack Daniels before the games. They would catch them in the pictures of Jack Daniels bottles setting close to the dugout, and uh, they would ride motorcycles while they were drinking. They grew their hair and yes, weird. Like, they were just, you know... Uh, they were. Uh, <laughs> they would do it. They would. They would break a lot of rules, but a lot of time they weren't like big rules. Like right. They they would smear pine tar on their batting helmets. They, they wouldn't. Actually, sh- they banded together. Was, well, yeah, it's camaraderie. Yes. They they would you know they would like put pine tar on their batting helmets to be funny. They wouldn't shave their beards. We're growing instead I mean, of playoff beards. They were growing season beards. Somebody wasn't fucking with you. There's something wrong, right? Right. Yeah. But compared to the Yankees, to borrow a phrase that became a band name, the Red Sox were a motley crew. I mean, <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, they were. But they, 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 were, they were good people. They had great camaraderie, and it made their hometown fans fall in love with them. Uh, you couldn't help but love the Red Sox. And even those that weren't really interested in baseball couldn't help but Love the colorful characters that there they were. There was a mystique about them, for sure. Yeah. So, for the 2004 Yankees, despite losing to the Marlins in the World Series in 03, not much changed. I mean, of course, you had your typical addition and subtraction to your roster like you have right, in any sport. Right. But there was nothing major other than the Alex Rodriguez trade. That took place on February 16th, 2004. A-Rod was traded by the Texas Rangers with cash to the New York Yankees for a player to be named later and Alfonso Soriano. Yeah. Uh, the Yankees would later send Joaquin Aris on April 23rd to the Rangers to complete the trade. The deal was reported a few days in advance, but it didn't actually become final until 
February 16th. At the time, A-Rod was the reigning AL MVP that offseason, coming off a year in which he hit an ML best, MLB best, 47 home runs with 118 RBIs, leading the AL in runs and slugging percentage. But other than that A-Rod trade, there ain't a whole lot of stuff right. to talk about as far as the Yankees offseason. Right. So, I mean, let, let's move along here. So, Boston began the regular season in 2004 by playing some almost dominant baseball with a few minor hiccups. They left a three-game series in Baltimore on April 9th. Uh, but they ended up, or they were trying to leave, I should say. They spent a sleepless night at the airport due to some difficulty with their plane and the weather. So basically, they didn't get to Boston until 7.30 a.m. that morning. They had to be at Fenway at noon for a game with the Blue Jays, which they got drubbed. <laughs> By double-digit runs. <laughs> uh, they had better results the next night. Pedro on the mound. They won that game 4-1. to one. Um, Despite all that, at an early point in the season, they not only had the best record in the AL East, but also in Major League Baseball at the time at 15-6. Or 15-6. April 16th, the Yankees came to Boston. This, at the time, was the 50th consecutive meeting when the Yankees were first and Boston was second in the standings. Boston reversed that, though, when they took three or four games at home. Four days later, the Sox turned right around and headed to New York, where they swept all three games. Then from New York, they went to take three straight at Tampa. So it's building. Could 2004 be the year? Could this be the year they break the 86-year curse of the Bambino? Fans were buzzing. They were off to their best start since 1917. And then the wheels come Go. off. So, <laughs> not much happens throughout the midway point of the season there, or close to midway. Nothing of real note. It's just, you know, subpar 500 baseball. At times they get back to 500. It's, it, it's, it's a roller coaster. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. July 23rd, the Yankees come to Boston. Kurt Schilling pitched the first game of the series, which he lost. The Sox at this point were nine and a half games behind the Yankees. That's a big hole. That's a big hole. But you're at the midway point uh-huh. of the season, right. the all-star break, you're in the back right. half. There's still time, but that's looking kind of sure, bleak. I'm sure there was injuries and stuff along the way. That About the middle of the season, Red Sox baseball is at a low point. I wrote in here, I put morale was down, fans were pissed, bats called, pitching wasn't lights out. But a bright point came on July 24th. The Red Sox overcame a five-run deficit as Bill Muller hit a game-winning home run to right center off Mariano Rivera, Rivera, the greatest closer in baseball Mm. history. Even though he's a Yankee, I don't give two shits. Rivera's the greatest closer in baseball history. Unhittable uh, cut fastball. Uh, just dude's just, dude's amazing. To left-handers, it would run under your hands on the inside part of the plate. He start in the middle of the plate, it would run under your hands, so it tied you up. And to a right-handed batter, it would be darting away from you. You know, he started middle, inner half, and end up on the outside part of the plate. Yeah, dominant cut fastball. And this is at ninety-five, ninety-six mile, ninety-six an mile an hour late break. I like when you give me a little. And any hitter knows a lot of late break is tough, 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 tough to pick up and hit. When you think about Mariano Rivera, what do you think of? 
Oh, just first thing comes to mind. Oh shit! Okay. Kind of like a word association. I mean, oh shit! That's oh shit. That's yeah, it. yeah. I mean, well, here we go. We gotta go up. Uh, Greatest that, closer. I, I will die he, on well, that hill, and, man. You know, he could have started too anywhere. I mean, he could have been a starter. I think he had that kind of that moxie, that moxie, poison moxie, yes, and yes. baseball IQ fundamentals. Yes, yes absolutely. He uh, loved the game. For sure. There's a lot of guys that I argue I think could be starters instead of closer. You guys can't see us. I just slapped Kurt's arm. You're closer. Oh, Kenley, uh, Kenley yeah. Jansen. He might be able to go six innings. Yeah. I I would put faith, all the faith in the world that Kenley Jansen could be a starter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I do too. I mean, uh, anyways. Well, that's. We're just trying to paint you a picture about. No, I love the way you do this. I mean, as a hitter, I'd be, you know, word associating, I'd be thinking, oh, shit. I'd say right-handers almost had a better chance of getting a hit off of him than left-handers. And you'd think it'd be the other way around because of, Well, you would think that. Yeah, but this is the ball movement on that. And I'm trying to think if he had an all-speed pitch, too. I'm sure he did. I can't remember what it was. It might have been a slider or straight change, maybe a... What's your favorite pitch in baseball? My favorite pitch? Yeah. Two-seam fastball. Uh, yeah. When somebody's dealing. Yeah. Uh, running hard. I mean, right-handers, you know, running back into the right-handers. Well, I'm always going to say the EFIS pitch because it's just <laughs> not a lot of guys can throw an EFIS. Not a lot of guys are taught EFIS pitches. Right, right. But which since is, that one's kind of hard and not very prevalent. Which is a change-up on steroids, basically, right? For those of you that don't know, and I've said this in, in other episodes, uh, the Nephis pitch is, I call it an act of God. Uh, it is the most beautiful pitch when executed. And uh, props to me for no, not a lot of kids these days no, know. No, uh, no. Well, I mean, I'm not a kid. I'm 34 now. But yeah, when just... you get a cut, I shouldn't say cut, when you get a ball like that that breaks and you've got 30 to 40 inches of break yeah. coming across the plate and you see big league Hot bats, multi-millionaire players striking out, looking like morons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting their eyes getting real big when they realize. Ooh. But since I can't say Ephus, for me, it's always going to be just a straight, nasty pile driving curveball. Twelve to six, or twelve six is even better. Yeah. Like rolling off his table, right? And a close second. Shout out 2012. Shout out R.A. Dickey, the year that Reed Vaughn. Knuckleball. Knuckleball. They were hard to throw. And he made it look like great. I mean, it was gravy for him. I mean, (laughs) yeah, it makes me think of the Necro, uh, Phil and Joe Necro. Uh, (laughs) Who else? Gaylord Perry. Perry. There's a. Yeah, them guys there were all, they all had little tricks. And I guarantee you they all had a piece of sandpaper on them somewhere. Or a file. You can't, a little file. You can't prove that. <laughs> no, you can't prove it. You, I, I about you can't I about prove guarantee that. it, dude. You got no proof. Scuffing the ball just a little bit, you know. And, uh. All right, getting back to this. That, that game on July 24th also featured the now infamous fight. Between A Rod 
and Red Sox cage catcher and captain Jason, Jason. Veritek. Oh, do you do you want to tell him about that? I'll, uh, I'll like go ahead. No, go ahead. no, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. I say it was foggy back then. In the meantime, <laughs> so I mean, I didn't really put what happened. There's just some shit that went down. Google it. It's an it's impressive. Get help your Google machine. The meantime, though, no more Garcia Fire. His uh, unhappiness with the Red Sox clubhouse and management was really starting to heat up. Um, he was unhappy about playing time. He was unhappy about the direction of the team. They started out hot. And for those that don't know, if you go back in time to that and you hop in your Google machines, no more was really wanting out of Boston, period. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't matter that this could be the year and it looked like Which, looked like it was going to be your starting out. No more was just fed up. He was yeah, done with Boston. Yeah, yeah. So... On the night of the second game in New York, management met with Nomar to see if they could somehow get him to go back uh, into the fold of the team. He said he was unhappy also because of Boston media. He, he was tired of talking to the media, and he thought the media had a had an agenda. Well, boy, that sounds familiar in today's time, don't it? Yes. Politics. We don't talk politics. Uh. But uh, anyways, the negotiations between – Red Sox management and Nomar went everywhere, and then it was they reached a mutual agreement. It would be best if Nomar just went packing. So he was traded. Uh, I want to say, I want to say he was traded to the Cubs, but I'm not sure. Um, I didn't fact check that, Kurt. Oh, it was the Cubs. I put it in my notes. I, I had a I had a glare in the page there. I went I was looking down through my notes to see if I did. Yeah, he they traded him to the Cubs. So uh anyways. Um the series wraps up um the next night. Or well, it got rained out. The series wrapped up the next night. Uh they were losing to the Yankees 3-0, Bronson Aurora. Who would later go on to pitch for the Cincinnati Reds, I believe. Yeah. Uh, he hit A-Rod with the, with the pitch. That's when the fi- – okay, so my notes got fucked up. I apologize, everybody. So I did. He hit A-Rod with a wild pitch, which set off a fight between Veritek and A-Rod. And then by the bottom of the ninth, the comeback by the Sox, they had the score 10-9 in favor of the Yankees. Uh, Red Sox Bill Miller hit a two-run walk-off homer to win the game. That game in particular featured 21 runs on 27 hits, four errors, five ejections, and took <laughs> almost four minutes to play. I just put that in there because that was, you know. So then the next day, because I had my notes, I apologize. I jumped ahead. Now we're coming back. They traded uh, Nomar to the Cubs. Uh, and in his place would be first baseman Doug. You're going to have to help me with this. This Polish guy. I mean, kiss. Make-a-wits. Make-a-wits. I don't remember how to say that. And shortstop, Orlando. Cabrera. Oh, yeah, Cabrera. there you go, son. Yeah, Orlando right. Cabrera. I thought so. Uh, basically, everybody was in Boston was thinking, who? And that's kind of the way we are, too. Uh, the trade was tough on Boston because Nomar was like uh, – he was almost to Boston fans what Jeter was to the Yankee yeah, fans. Yeah, pretty so, solid at short. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so him leaving town, the trade dealt a crushing blow to the fans. Uh, but as you'll see later on, uh, it proved to be the right decision. And I don't want to be the one to break this, but 
if you get on your Google machines and you and you look up articles written by Boston sports writers at that time frame with Nomar Garcia Parra out of Boston, uh, there was a lot less drama in the clubhouse, and it almost seemed like the team pulled together better. So I hate to say a superstar was causing drama, but there you go. So, unfortunately, though, the club would not see those results and the uptick right away. Uh, August 9th, the Sox lost to the Devil Rays. For those of you who don't know who the Devil Rays are, that is the Tampa Rays. They changed the name to the Rays instead of Devil Rays because they thought it sounded less violent and whatever. That's a true story. Uh but they lost to the Devil Rays eight to three, and their record stood at forty-five and forty-four since May first. So, for basically, as I mentioned several minutes prior, for more than half of the two thousand four season, they were playing seemingly five hundred baseball. Uh, it didn't seem possible for them to climb out of this hole, but they did turn things around after the trade with Nomar. Their record was forty-two and nineteen, and from August tenth on. The Boston Red Sox were the best team in all of Major League Baseball. Consider this for a minute, if you will. On August 18th, the Red Sox were ten and a half games down. I put this in my notes right here. I'm looking. I'm going to read this actually. On August 18th, the Sox were ten and a half games behind the Yankees. In just three short weeks, they managed to whittle the difference down to just two games. Damn. Damn. Yeah, that's a pretty impressive uh, run. Yeah. Let's plug somebody else. I'm, I'm in the mood to plug. I don't know. We're kind of flying by this episode. We've got to fill a little time now. So, all right. You ready? Uh, yeah. You're over Googling. Are you I, texting? Someone's texting me. Uh, sorry. You're texting during the podcast. I can't help it. She better be hot. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and do this while Kurt's handling his business. Uh, Check out Main Street Designs LLC in Jasper, Indiana. I've mentioned it until I've been blue in the face. It's a small family-owned business that specializes in laser engraving and direct-to-garment printing. They offer vinyl decals. They can do baby blankets, other personalized items for you or your business. They have offered on more than one occasion to make me and Kurt a logo for the podcast, which I don't know where I would do with that logo. Uh, I guess, you know, use it for our Facebook page and maybe put it on a couple hats and t-shirts or something. But anyways, give them guys a call or look them up on Facebook. Uh, you can see pictures of all their work. It's really impressive. They got some nice looking tumblers and whatnot. But give them a call at 812-661-7765. Or give them a phone call at 812-661-7488. They do ship all over the United States. For those of you catching this, that's not local. So, uh, yeah, Main Street Designs LLC in Jasper. Uh, they will hook you up. They do quality work, guys, I promise. My co-host is still texting. I'm not very good at it. I'm slow. It's okay, Kurt. I'll just sit here and fill time. <laughs> Let me tell you guys a story about the first time. Never mind. <laughs> Just gave me the shittiest look. Are, are you done? I think so. I'm not sure. 
Was she? Is it a man or a woman? Do I need to shut my phone off, teacher? No. Is it, is it a man or a woman? It's a dude. Oh, bro. Well, I mean, it's. It uh, is it dull? No. No. We're minus our third anchor who participates from across the living room because we don't have his mic yet. He's out there being young, just running and gunning, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> daddy. So that's just me, Kurt, and Luck tonight. Yeah, old, uh, three old dogs sitting around. That's pretty much right. All right. You want to jump back in? Yeah, there we go. Okay. So by the month, in the month of August, Boston went 21 7. Uh, they were the favorites for the wild card at this point. Now, see, my phone went off. <laughs> see what you started? Uh, by the end of the season, they had won 98 games, second to the Yankees, which we talked about that in the open. They clinched the wild card when they beat the Devil Rays seven games to three. The Red Sox were going to the playoffs for the 11th time since 1918, but in true Boston Red Sox curse of the great Bambino fashion, things were kind of shaky, especially on the pitching side of things. Lowe, Derek Lowe had seriously struggled towards the last half of the season, particularly in the last couple of months. Sometimes he'd only last two or three innings of games. It wasn't like he was going to be included. It looked like, for all intents and purposes, they might not even include him in the postseason rotation. That's how bad it was. Pedro hit a slump. He'd lost his last four starts. And Kurt Schilling's ankle. Something happened to his ankle. Yeah, It it went down. I think he got spiked or something, wasn't it? I don't remember. I can't remember either. So, Boston had beat the Angels in Anaheim to secure their spot in the ALCS. They waited to see if the Yankees would beat the Twins. A few hours later, they had their answer. We were going to a rematch between one of the sports world's greatest rivalries. Upon learning that they would be facing the Yankees, an elated general manager, Theo Epstein, said to a local Boston sports writer, Now that it's here, if we can if we can win the World Series and go through New York along the way to get it, it's going to mean so much more. So, um, as far as the Yankees go, um, I couldn't find anything really noteworthy to put in here about their 2004 regular season and their road into the ALCS. I mean, it's the Yankees. We all know the story. They put on a show, great entertainment, great baseball, highlight real shit, dude. End of story. They had the best record in baseball that season. Uh, and, in fact, the 2004 season was the Yankees' third straight season of 100-plus wins, the first instance of that ever in franchise history. Impressive. So, I mean, yeah, dude. They're, they're, I mean, it's. I don't need to say anymore. Uh, there was no doubt everyone firmly believed going into the postseason that the Yankees were going to do Yankee things, which was win and win convincingly. They were going to right the wrong. That was them losing the World Series a year prior Unfortunately, <laughs> fate yeah. would tell a different story. Yes. Uh, in the playoffs, they defeated the Twins three games to one in the AL Division Series. So, the rematch from last season's ALCS was set. The Yankees were ever confident. They had this matchup in the bag. Boston, on the other hand, was primed for revenge. Um. So, now, now, now we're going to get into it, son. So, the Red Sox and the Yankees had met 45 times in the previous two seasons, with Boston holding a 23-22 to game lead. Wow. I can't get any closer than that. So, that includes regular season and postseason. Right. Boston had a one-game advantage. 
They held an 11-8 vantage over New York in 2004, but eight of the games were decided in one of the team's final at-bats, so it was close. Uh, Boston outscored New York that season 106-105, to and this was the fifth time in... Excuse me, I lost my net place. This was the fifth time in two years that this game would decide who's going... Oh, well, yeah, this was the fifth time that the two teams were on the doorstep of a World Series with the Yankees winning previous four times, which dates back to 1949, 1978, 1999, and the year prior, 2003. This series was widely anticipated by everybody given the outcome of last year with Aaron Boone's walk-off home run off of. Fun fact, do you remember who, who he hit that home run off of? Tim. Wakefield. Oh, man, look at the big brain on Kirk Kelly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Yankees general manager at the time, Brian Cashman, said that the two teams in the American League facing each other are the two best teams in baseball, period. Joe Buck, who we heard at the very open as soon as you guys turned this podcast on, Joe Buck said, what's hard to believe is almost exactly one year ago tonight, Aaron Boone hit the 11th inning home run to beat the Red Sox. And yet, for some reason, it seemed predetermined we would back, be back here for a rematch one year later. Uh, and further into my research, Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe were writing an article saying, quote, one year after the Yankees jousted to Boston's finish in the Bronx last October in an epic seventh game that appeared to take the clash to its zenith, here we go at it one more time. Uh, in this series, however, A-Rod seemed to answer the White Sox's acquisition of Kurt Schilling as the two veterans faced each other wearing uniforms of ancient rivals in an October game. Yankees pitcher Mike Messina summed up the buildup saying, this is what everyone was hoping for. It's a rematch of last year, the best two teams in all of baseball, and we're going to kick their ass. Oh, little do you know, <laughs> Messina. Yeah. I love when they get caught. Yeah, yeah, and then they get, <clears throat> yeah. I hope you appreciate this research a, a this little, week. A little cocky's all right, but you just can't go too far with it, all right? All right. The New York Times said that this was the showdown the Yankees anticipated the entire season. The Yankees firmly believed that they would face Boston again. So, anyways. This was the reason why the Red Sox fired Grady Little. This is why they traded Nomar Gossier Parr. This is why they added Kurt Schilling. Johnny Damon said of Boone's home run, if we do advance to the World Series and it's a win, it's a better story that we went through New York. We needed to get back here to get there. This is where a lot of hearts were broken and we're in their perfect seat to stop the hurting. Theo Epstein agreed saying, now that's here... Like I, oh, okay. I was reading that twice. Never mind. Fun fact about this: um, what you guys are going to learn later on. Um, game four was the was the changing point. Yeah. In this series, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you know, you got to keep in mind. I'm working on this late at night a lot. <laughs> you know, Kurt's usually in bed, and I'm going to bed about twelve, one, two in the morning, and getting up to be at work with Kurt at six. So sometimes I get a little sleepy and tired, so apparently I guarantee this is what happened. I put some notes way ahead of what I should have been, but since they're in the computer now, we're going to go ahead and talk about them now. Uh, game uh, four. 
We forgive you, bro. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I do right, try hard. Right. Oh, I know. But, I mean, we're, we don't need this information now, but since it's already fucking here, because right. I fucked it up, uh, game four was the turning point of this game. Interesting fact. Game four was actually supposed to be um, an, a late afternoon game. Yeah, I, but Commissioner Bug Seelick had moved the starting time of game four, which game four was on a Sunday. Yeah. Bud Selick had moved the starting time of game four to prime time due to the rematch, and Fox had a triple threat, a triple header. Right. They had the Seahawks facing Tom Brady and the Patriots in New England at 1 p.m. Game four of the NLCS between the Cardinals and Astros was that minute made at 4.30. So they just decided to move this game to right prime time. time, which, you know, as we'll find when we get to game four, was probably the best decision ever. Cause oh, yeah. You know, probably two hundred million Americans. Oh, it, you know, well, yeah, yeah. Well, probably not two hundred million, but well, you know. Sunday night, everybody, you had everybody's attention. Probably, that yeah, had everybody's yeah. attention. Winding down from a weekend. Da, 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 you know. So here we go. Uh, game one, Tuesday, October twelfth, two thousand four, Yankee Stadium, old Yankee Stadium uh-huh. in the Bronx. This was five years before the new Yankee Stadium opened. Uh. I put the box score of the game um, at the top, so I'll just go ahead and read the box score. Uh, Boston lost ten to seven. Yankees had fourteen run or fourteen hits, ten runs off fourteen hits. Boston had seven runs off of ten hits. Uh, winning pitcher Mike Messina. Kurt Schilling loses. So uh, now we're gonna go through the game. Uh, give us a rundown on uh, the starting lineup right Well, now. see, I knew you was going to ask me about that, and I forgot to put the starting lineups of the game well, in there. Yeah, I, well, I mean, you want to hop on your Google machine? Yeah, I, I do have I do have the stats and the final box scores of the whole series stats, but, uh, I mean, I forgot to put the starting lineups in. Oh, it's all right. You're, you're just going to... Yeah, I'm going to look it up here shortly. Well, it looks like you're texting. Well, yeah, I got another text. In between that time. Is that your boyfriend? Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) My phone is shot, dude. I can't get there. Oh, my God. All right, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. So, you got second baseman Mark Bellhorn for Boston. Boston, Shortstop Orlando Cabrera. Outfielder Johnny Damon, outfielder Gabe Kapler, first baseman Doug Mankiewicz, first baseman outfielder MLB.com and tent or MLB Network intentional talk host Kevin Millar, Millar yeah, catcher, Ca- coacher, fuck, catcher, Veritek. No, well, I mean, yeah, uh, they had two guys, Doug. Mirabelli, yeah, and but Jason, okay, they had, right. yeah, they had two, yeah. Third baseman Bill Muller. Muller. Outfielder Trot Nixon. Yeah. First baseman and DH David Big Poppy Ortiz. Outfielder Manny Ramirez. Infielder Pokey. Pokey. Pokey Reese. Okay. Outfielder Dave Roberts yeah. and catcher Jason Veritek. Okay. So here you go. So the pitchers. Right-hander, Bronson Aurora. Left-hander, Alan Embry. 
Right-hander, Keith Folk. Right-hander, Curtis. How in the fuck? I don't remember that name. Curtis Lisconic? Uh, okay. Right-hander, Derek Lowe. Right-hander, Pedro Martinez. Right-hander, Ramira Mendoza. Left-hander, Mike Myers. Right-hander, Kurt Schilling. Right-hander, Mike Timlin. And right-hander, Tim Wakefield. So, uh, okay, right on. Okay, so now, you want me to run down the Yankees, too? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now, the New York Yankees. Kevin Brown. Miguel Cario. Tony Clark. Bubba Crosby. Tom Gordon. Felix Hadira. Orlando Hernandez. Derek Jeter. John Lieber. Esteban, whoever the fuck that is, Louisiana, Kenny Lofton, Hideki. My God, damn, was he brilliant in this postseason? Yeah, he was. Oh, we're gonna get to him yeah, later. He's he, in. He's in the Word Association. Uh, Mike Messina, Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera, A. Rod, Gary Sheffield, Ruben Sierra, Gary Sheffield, Javier Vasquez, Bernie Williams, Tanyan Sturts. Oh, God. What else we got here, Kurt? Let's see. There's the batting. So, uh, Milky Cabrera. Okay. Orlando Cabrera. Orlando Cabrera. Yeah. It's okay. So, we got that all out of the way. Yeah. All right. Let's roll. So, I need a cigarette. I love you, bro. You going to light one up, too? Yeah, right on. I couldn't do this shit without you. <laughs> I'm giving him a... Coronary right now when I ask him that question. He fucking did. Well, I mean, we gotta know who the, uh, the players are. Well, I guess I did it see, in every baseball episode we've done yet. Yeah. I just didn't do it in this one. Yeah, so, see, see, I was under the impression Mike Lowe played third, but he didn't. Bill Miller. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Game would put game would son of a bitch. <laughs> got me all. Game one pitted Red Sox star pitcher Kurt Schilling. Against the Yankees ace Mike Messina. Schilling entered the game with a six and one postseason career record, but the expected pitchers duel quickly became pretty one sided. Uh Schilling had sustained a torn tendon sheath in his right ankle during game one of the ALDS against the Angels, and that proved to be a downfall. Oh, he was yeah. pretty much ineffective. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, in the first, Gary Sheffield doubled with two outs before Hideki Matsui. God, I love Hideki Matsui. <laughs> Matsui drove him in with a double. Then Matsui sco- scored on a Bernie Williams single. In the third, the Yankees loaded the bases with no outs, two singles, and a walk before Matsui cleared him with a double. Uh, after moving to third on a ground out, Matsui, Matsui, Matsui <laughs> scored on Jorge Posada's sacrifice fly. In the sixth, Kenny Lofton hit a leadoff home run off of a knuckleball thrown by Tim Wakefield. Sheffield doubled with two outs before scoring on a single by Matsui, giving him an ALCS record tying five RBIs in the game. Mike Messina, meanwhile, retired the game's first 19 Red Sox yeah. batters. Yeah, he was on point. Game one, he was lights, lights out, out, bro. Uh Mark Bellhorn, though, would end Messina's bid for the perfect game with a one-out double in the seventh. David Ortiz single with two outs. Kevin Millar's double to the left scored two runs. 
Millar moved to third on a pass ball before scoring on Trot Nixon's single. Tanyan Sturts relieved Mussina and allowed a home run to Jason Veritek that made it 8-5 Yankees. Next inning, Tom Gordon allowed a single to Bill Muller and Manny Ramirez before Ortiz's two-out triple cut the Yankees' lead down 8-7. The Yankees then called upon the greatest closer in baseball history, Mariano Rivera, who induced a pop-out by Kevin Millarda in the inning. And then in the bottom half, A-Rod and Sheffield singled off Mike Timlin before Williams' two-run double made it 10-7. The Sox hit two singles in the top of the ninth off Rivera, but the game ended when Bill Muller grounded into a double play. So that's game one. And here's what I'm taking away from game one right away. Uh, Mike Messina, definitely the ace. Yeah. Definitely the man as far as the rotation goes. And Hideki Matsui is going to him and Sheffield him them two well I mean both of them yeah but Matt Sui is just gonna he's gonna ding Boston all series like well he he posed a real problem for a pitcher I mean either left hand he could hit lefties too I mean Matt Sui was a treasure he was pretty good so the very next night he was a great two strike hitter too I think yeah So the very next night, game two, Wednesday, October 13th, 2004. Once again, Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. Uh, Boston had five hits, scored one run. New York had seven hits, scored 3-1. New York wins 3-1. Starting pitcher, John Lieber. Losing pitcher, Pedro Martinez. Uh... Yankees struck first, first blood. Um, what did I put my notes here? Yankees struck first blood. Gary Sheffield drove in Jeter, who walked in the first inning. Uh, the one or the 1-0 score held for several innings as Lieber and Martinez went in a classic pitcher's duel oh, for yeah. the most part. I yeah. mean, it was, you yeah, know. I love it. Uh, Martinez got himself in and out of trouble through several innings, but shortly after making his 100th pitch of the night, he walked Jorge Posada and allowed a home run, giving New York a 3-0 lead. Uh, the Red Sox would rally, though. Trap Nixon singled the lead off the eighth inning uh, off of Lieber, who was then replaced by Tom Gordon. Uh, a double by Veritek moved Nixon to third before Orlando Cabrera's RBI ground out closed the gap 3-1. With two outs and a runner on third, however, the Yankees go to the bullpen and bring out the greatest closer I'm going to say this every game. The greatest closer in baseball history, Mariano Rivera, who struck out Johnny Damon to end the inning. Uh, he Rivera basically shut him down in the ninth. Oh, yeah. uh, Unhittable, really. I mean. So, game two recap. Uh, what's up with Boston's bats? Sleepy. They just sleep. They're cold. Yeah. Uh, and it is literally and figuratively cold at these games, too, I think. It ain't exactly tropical. It ain't as warm as it is now. No. it's. I mean, but it's October. In the first six innings of the first two games, Boston managed only one hit. I checked that. The no. first two, in, the first six innings of both game one and two that's, combined, that's not they managed that. one hit. That ain't going to get it done. No, that's certainly not even close to getting it done. Uh, 
a game three rain out on October 15th left some wondering if maybe Boston could catch a break here, have an extra day. This delay would mean that instead of playing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the teams would play Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. This basically meant that the game five starter would have an extra day off. So we go to game three, Saturday, October 16th, 2004, at the Green Monster. Fenway Park. In Boston, Massachusetts. And boy, does the Yankees drub them here. Yeah. New York scored 19 runs off of 22 hits. Boston scored only 8 runs off of 15 hits. Winning pitcher, Javier Vasquez. Losing pitcher, Ramiro Mendoza. By the way, which I'll cover here in just a minute, Hideki Matsui hit two, went yard twice. Yeah, I was going to say two home runs, and I thought yard was yard, better. Yeah, He went yard twice. <laughs> so, are you ready for this rundown? With the series moving to Fenway, game three was rained out, postponed. The starting pitchers were Kevin Brown for the Yankees and Bronson Aurora for the Red Sox. As in the first two games, the Yankees began by scoring in the first. Jeter walked and scored from first on a double play by A-Rod. Two batters later, Hideki Matsui hit a home run to right field, giving the Yankees a 3-0 lead. The Red Sox answered in the second inning with a leadoff walk by Jason Veritek and a Trot Nixon home run to right field. A double by Muller, an infield RBI hit by Damon, his first hit of the season, by the or the first hit of the series. Didn't get his first hit yeah, until yeah. game three. This guy, I mean, he J- raked, Johnny Damon. He, he was raked a, all year, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and a Derek Jeter error led to four, two more runs. The Red Sox led for the first time in the series. Derek Jeter error? Yeah. How often do those ever happen? Uh, wow. How often has that ever placed together side by side? Derek Jeter and error. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I don't. I mean, solid shortstop. Had all the tools. You know. On a total sidebar here, if you put a Mount Rushmore Yankees baseball up there, and Derek Jeter's got to be up there. Is he up there? Yeah, but yeah, have to be. You know, I hate the Yankees. No, me too. I, and I make the joke all the time that as a Philadelphia Phillies fan, and fuck you guys for laughing right now. <laughs> as a Philadelphia Phillies fan, <laughs> I don't know. It, folks. I don't know who I hate more: Yankees fans, Cincinnati Red fans. St. Louis Cardinals fans or Chicago Cubs fans. I I can't argue. Because they're all pretty much, no offense, they're all a bunch of arrogant pricks. Yeah, I agree with that. But we're going to do an episode on the Yankees' (laughs) history at some point. So I'm going to ask you right now, before we go any further, this is our show and we do things our way. On the Mount Rushmore of Yankees baseball, and hold on. You know I always cheat the system by doing the mountain quote. You can put any face on Mount Rushmore you want, but this person's the mountain you car. So essentially, there's five people because I always cheat. So now, on a Mount Rushmore Yankees baseball, Babe Ruth's the mountain you carve it out of. Yeah. So Babe doesn't yeah. go on the mountain. But is Derek Jeter one of the four faces up oh, there? I think so. I really do. Yeah, hands down. What about Mr. October? No? Uh, yeah. I, man, there's so many, though. You got. What about Donnie you Baseball? You got Mantle. You got DiMaggio. Wasn't was Mattingly a Yankee, too? He was, wasn't yes, he? Yes, yeah. He started his career in New York. Mickey Mantle? Yeah. I mean, he's got to be Blue a. Lou Gehring? Uh, Mariano Rivera? Out of space. 
Mariano Rivera. We're running out of space on this mountain. Andy Pettit. Eh. He's a- good. A Rod. Nah. Ooh. Hot take. Uh, yeah. If if he would be on the well, no, he has to be on the Yankees, but he don't make it. He like roids. You know where A Rod is going to make it? The Hall of Fame. It'll be the first. I guarantee you the world's going to burn to the ground as far as baseball purists go. <laughs> you guys, I'm not advocating what A Rod did, but I promise you, A Rod will be in the Hall of Fame. Now this leads to another point we're going to do this at some time if A-Rod gets in the Hall of Fame for steroids which he will why can't Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame and I hate the Reds it just don't make sense Charlie Hustle man Charlie Hustle absolutely we gotta go or we'll never right okay so the lead though they're 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 leading for the first time in the first three games of the series it's short leave A-Rod lead off with a third inning home run Right over the green monster. Sheffield then walked. Matsui with another double. That's a heck of a lineup right there. Them three guys are <laughs> pitchers. This shaking. this prompted Bronson to be replaced by Mendoza on the mound, who immediately allowed a Bernie Williams RBI single. Bernie Williams could rake too. And then they allowed Matsui to score from third, which gave the Yankees a six to four lead. The Red Sox would respond by tying the game in the bottom of the inning, scoring two runs off an Orlando Cabrera bases loaded double off Yankees reliever Javier Vasquez. In the fourth inning, the Yankees took the lead on a three-run home run by Gary Sheffield after a walk and hit by pitch. Another double follows by Hideki Matsui. This the Red Sox would then put in Tim Wakefield, who volunteered to forego. <laughs> And this is key. Yeah. Trust me. I touch on yeah. this later in this episode. Tim Wakefield comes in to relieve. He volunteered to skip his game four start to preserve Boston's bullpen, which had been basically shredded. Yeah. And I promise you listening, the two people that we have listen every week. <laughs> Damn, wrong button. Anyways. <laughs> Had Wakefield not done that, yeah. this whole series changes. It, and I promise we'll tie back that later. It's, funny how, the, it's funny how the events play out and then after this decision. Well, I promise we'll get to that. He volunteered. Anyways, he's doing this to save the bullpen. This plays a huge – okay, anyways. So Wakefield got Bernie Williams to pop up, pop out, intentionally walked Jorge Posada. Ruben Sierra then tripled to score Matsui and Posada, giving the Yankees at this point an 11-6 lead. From that point on, the Yankees were pretty much in control of the game. They continued to hit and score all night in the fifth. Jeter walked with one out before back-to-back RBI doubles by Rodriguez and Sheffield made it 13-6 in the seventh. Uh, Sheffield singled off Wakefield. These guys could rake. Matsui's single scored a run. Williams double scored two. Persada's double scored another. They just keep driving in runs, driving in runs. Frenzy um, hitting. It, it was. When the game was over, the Yankees set a team record for postseason runs scored. Rodriguez, Sheffield, and Matsui had a prolific, one of my favorite words in English <laughs> class, prolific. <laughs> I put that in my notes. Capitalized. They had a prolific hitting night. Matt Suey had five hits and five RBIs tying not just AL, but also NLCS records. <coughs> he and Rodriguez both tied the postseason record 
for runs scored with five. The team combined for 37 hits and 20 extra base hits, both postseason records. And the game lasted almost four and a half hours, which was the longest nine-inning postseason game played at the time. I mean, that's going to do some pitchers, too. I mean, now, the bad boy's going to pitch here. So, so here we are. So it's game three. It's it's 3-0 now. I mean, and so we're, we're heading into game four. And, I mean, everybody, including Boston Faithful, are saying it's pretty much over, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Turn out. Life party's over. Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe, we talked about earlier, said nineteen to eight. Why not nineteen eighteen? Making a joke about Boston not have won one right. since the Babe Ruth trade in the World Series, basically saying we're going to lose another. Who gives a fuck? And not so many words. Uh, Bob Ryan wrote about the Red Sox as well in the Boston Globe, saying they're down 3-0, and after last night's 19-18 ass-whipping, this is a death sentence. Soon it will be over. We will spend another dreary winter lamenting about this and that. Uh, Don Dugan, a Boston sports column writer for one of the many internet sports sheets in the area, would write, fans shook their head in disbelief. Some sold or gave their game four tickets away. They just couldn't bear to watch the Sox lose to the Yankees in four straight games. Anyone who ran the odds knew that the Sox had a 16-1 to chance of coming back and winning after a 3-0 deficit. 16-1, to those aren't good odds. Uh, no. <clears throat> and honestly, dude, you can't really argue with her. No. I mean, I thought they were done for sure. So here we go, folks. We are here. We go Sunday, October seventeenth, two thousand four. The Green Monster, Fenway in Boston, Game Four. This is the game that changes the whole series. This is the game that tilts the momentum. Tilts the momentum. Uh, anybody who said they believed Boston was going to come back to win is a bold-faced liar. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, nobody in the free world. Saw this coming? No. Uh, New York scored four runs off of 12 hits. Uh, Boston scored six runs off of eight hits. Boston would win six to four. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a big thing. So, um, let's uh, let's take a time out here and. Uh, you know, just just oh, to keep yeah. moving, just to keep moving. Uh, so, guys, check out Black Rifle Coffee Company. It's uh, veteran-owned. Uh, check them out on Facebook. Check out their .com. Uh, they have cool swag for men and women. They have great coffee and energy drinks. Uh, they've got a little bit of something for everything. Uh, Available at your Walmart, many of your convenience stores, CVS pharmacies, uh, anywhere. Uh, I mean, they're loaded in sugar. I certainly don't need them, but uh, I've drank a couple of their Black Rifle Ice Coffee Energy drinks, uh, and I felt like I could stay awake for three days. <laughs> so uh, they're one of our new partners here. Uh, and the coolest thing I like about this company is management. The majority of it is it's it's pretty much a veteran owned. So. Yeah. And I love that's, to talk about cool. veteran-owned companies. Oh, yeah. You know, 
uh, see a veteran, thank a veteran. Yes, thank absolutely. you guys for your service uh, and for the great product. But seriously, uh, check out Black Rifle Coffee Company, y'all. I like that beat, don't oh, you? Hell yeah. All right, back to baseball. Stop. There we go. Okay, Kurt. So this is uh, this is where it's at. And again, we don't own any audio, but in a few minutes, uh, you're going to hear some audio. So Tim Wakefield, who was supposed to be Game Four starting pitcher, volunteered to go in Game Three. So that meant. Uh, you know, save the bullpen. Uh, and like I said earlier, this was one of the many things that changed the outcome oh. of this game. Uh, Kurt, do you know who started game four for the Boston Red Sox? I do not. Derek Lowe. Lowe. Uh, Despite yeah. a tough end to his season yes. and a not-so-great postseason, for whatever intents and purposes – Dude must have, you know, must have got his jollies off in the locker room, <laughs> must have got something, had a good night's sleep, good focus. Maybe he had a couple black rifle coffee. Which, I mean, it wasn't available then, but, you know. Uh, he got on the mound and he did his job. Uh, game four also featured Yankees pitcher Orlando Hernandez, the 1999 ALCS MVP against Lowe. And for the first time in the series, the Yankees didn't score in the first inning. Uh, how? But they did score first with two outs and nobody on in the third inning. Jeter singled. A Rod then hit a two-run blast over the Green Monster. Uh, it came in the third inning. Oh, I just said that. Uh, this will be followed by the ball being thrown back into yeah. the outfield by the fans on the yeah. street. For those that don't know the story, uh, when he hit the ball, it blasted it so far out of the park it ended up down on Lansden Street, uh, which is. Not too far from the park, which means he uh, yeah, let, he knocked the cover off of it. And left the, the stadium. Yeah, the fans threw the ball back <laughs> into the stadium. Uh, Johnny Damon would pick up the ball and toss it back over the fence. And the fans would then toss it back uh, into yeah, the building yeah. again. And finally, umpire Joe S. grabbed the ball and put it in his pocket. And that stopped the circus. But yeah, that's some that funny shit. That went on for Yeah, a few minutes. That was yeah. some funny shit. Uh, I think I didn't check it out, but I knew a few years ago. There was still a clip of that on YouTube, yeah. so uh, hop on your Google machine. It, it, it's hilarious. It's going back and forth, and then finally the Empire's like, I've had enough of this shit. He picks it up and puts it in his pocket. So uh, Hernandez, who not, had not pitched in two weeks, cruised through the first four innings, uh, giving up just one hit and two walks. In the fifth inning, he pitched himself into a jam, walking two of the first three batters. Two men on, two men out. Orlando Cabrera would single to right field. Scoring Bill Muller. Manny Ramirez walked to load the bases. And then David Big Poppy Ortiz hit a single to center field. Scoring Cabrera and Johnny Damon giving the Red Sox a 3-2 lead. Only their second lead of the entire series through the first four games here. The lead, much like the last time, would only last <laughs> less than an inning. As Hideki Matsui hits a triple with one out in the sixth, after which Mike Timlin relieved Derek Lowe. Bernie Williams would come up, hit an infield single to score Matsui. A game's tied three apiece. So in every time you get a little glimmer yeah. of hope yeah. as the Boston Red Sox, here's yeah. the Yankees, Yankees to pull the yeah. goddamn rug right yeah, back yeah. out from underneath you. Just like them. Yeah. So 
where are we at here? I mean, there wasn't an easy out in that lineup, though. The Yankees lineup. Been I mean, if Boston could get their bats hot, there wasn't an well, easy right. out in that That's, lineup either. Yeah, but absolutely. that was the problem through the yeah, first right. three and a half games. Right, the right. bats were not there. They were seemingly non-existent. Yes. Yeah. And when they would get going, Yankees defense would shut it down. Yeah. Whoever says defense doesn't play a part in baseball's idiots. You wouldn't believe how many people I've heard say there's no defense in baseball. Uh, you know you the people that say that? The people that don't know shit about, about baseball. baseball yeah. If there's no defense in I mean, if you start giving teams four or five outs an inning, and ma- and major keep it league, going. I love when you get major on this. league baseball teams. Especially, they're like, "There's no defense. They just catch the ball and throw it to somebody." That's my, my, there's more to it than that. Uh, well, you make the routine and then some plays. Right. I mean, that's what needs to be done. That's what great defenses do. They make the they make the routine and then some. You know, the great plays deep in the hole, like Jeter jumping and throwing to first. Holy crap. This edition of Baseball Education brought to you by Kurt Big Bat <laughs> Kelly. So, Jorge Posada would walk. Williams attempted to advance the third on a pass ball, but got thrown out by Veritek. However, Ruben Sierra hit another infield single, moving Posada to third. Tony Clark then hit a third infield single to score Posada, give the Yankees a 4-3 to three lead. Miguel Carrillo... Then walked to load the bases for Jeter. But Timlin induced a ground out to escape the inning. Massachusetts native Tanyan Sturtz pitched two scoreless innings in relief of Hernandez. And then the greatest closer in baseball history. I'm going to do this every, <laughs> every time. Mariano Rivera entered the game in the eighth for a two-inning save attempt. It's like silence. What's coming? I'll tell you what's coming. A day of reckoning. Yeah, for sure. So what I'm about to play now is, uh, I don't know how long I'm going to let it play. The clip's almost eight minutes, but we'll see. But basically, we're going to play the audio of the game of what happened. In the ninth inning, Rivera allowed a leadoff walk to Kevin Millar. Which ultimately turned out to be the turning point of the series. Dave Roberts was then chosen to pinch run for Kevin Millar with the Red Sox down to their final three outs. Rivera checked Roberts at first base several times before throwing a pitch to Muller. On Rivera's first pitch to Muller, the speedy Roberts would then take off stealing, and he hauled ass. Oh, yeah. He hauled ass in there, putting himself in scoring position. Muller's single allowed Roberts to score. Resulting in Rivera blowing the save and the game going to extra inning, tied at four runs apiece. So, so now we're into extra innings. But before that, and like I said, we don't own a single bit of audio of this. I would assume all the audio rights to this go to Major League Baseball. But, uh, and of course, there's going to be a fucking ad. <laughs> Do not adjust your set. That is just a commercial. Oh, it's a little baby. <laughs> Thank you. All right, here we go. Hey, why don't I turn it like this? Can you hear it, Jim? Oh, yeah. Torrey. There's Kevin Millar, baby. MLB Network, intentional talk. There he is. The greatest closer. Since 2001, he's blown seven save opportunities. Against the Red Sox. We'll just see how long we let this play. 
an eight-minute clip, but it's important well, shit. Yeah. yeah, I feel you. Trying to get him in the postseason. I'm going to turn here with you so I can watch it. Look how young Rivera looks like. That was 17 years ago, bro. Inside. Good eye. And he walked it. And yeah. Rivera didn't walk a lot no, of batters. No, he didn't, he did he didn't walk, walk a lot of batters. Uh -huh. That was uncharacteristic. I remember seeing the highlights the next morning before I got up, when I got up from school watching Sports Center. I'm like, what the hell? Ooh. 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 Boy, if that would have went yeah. straight. He was definitely right on him. Just turned that ball, that ball caught a lot of plays right there. They're already at midnight. Yep. They were already at four hours yeah. in this game. Out Foxborough. Twelve hours later, the Red Sox are three outs away from being swept. Inside. You think Rivera is nervous? He's I doubt the greatest it. closer in baseball. I, I, he don't I, get nervous. I doubt it. He's not even sweating. Rivera stayed in on Millar with his cutter, just making sure that he's in or third off the plate. He missed with the one, and Millar was out in front. Good eye. Uh, That's ball three. That's yeah. a 3 1 count right now. Yeah. I gotta believe greatest closer. He's not nervous, but even he's like. Uh, well, I'm, I'm a little surprised at the way they're pitching the ball here. Trying to bust him inside, and he just missed that one and turned and ripped it down the line. He's wow, right there it is. Yeah, yeah he's pissed. You can too. see it on his yeah. face. Oh yeah. For those of you, you know, obviously. Yeah, he's, he's pissed. You can see it on Rivera's face. Good at bat by Millar. I cannot believe how young I know. Rivera looks here. Now, here's Dave Rivers, Dave Roberts, pinch running. And he was fast. Yeah. He's the guy on the team. Good move right here. If they don't put him in, I mean, speed, speed really puts pressure on defenses. So they're showing clips now of some of his base stealing and stuff. Look, Rivera's getting ready to check. He would. Oh, yeah. Look, he sets. Yeah, he's got a great big lead over at first. Very fast, Roberts. Fuck it, I guess we're going to play the whole clip. I mean, there. Just think about how much speed uh, it puts the pressure on defense. With the Red Sox try and steal a base. Is he going to check him again? I yeah, don't know. I think so. So, he's Going back over twice, Roberts is thinking I could get another half a step lead right here, you know. I love how you're doing commentary too. Look how far away he Yeah, see, he's got another half a step now. He's done good how far he can come off the bag. That's three straight. That's about it, though. 
It, that was close, folks. Yeah. That was close. See, he's right now gauging about how far he can get off the bag. He's thinking, man, I can get just Mariano another little, exactly you know. Thinking he's going to try just a hair bit more. Yeah, exactly. And don't think the Rivera don't see that, too. I think Rivera's nervous. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I think he is now. There he goes. Not even close. Safe! Great base run. God damn, was he hauling ass. And that was a good throw by Posada. That huge lead he had throwing that base. Look at that. That's a good ball for Posada to handle. Yeah. A little bit to the shortstop side of the bag, but great throw. You guys need to watch this for those that haven't seen it. Man, he was shagging over there. Now Miller will try to get him at least over to third base. And there's zero outs. Yeah, right I was going to say, I was going to ask you how many outs. I was thinking there's zero, zero outs. Bottom of the ninth. You've got a man on second. You know, you're thinking hit the ball on the ground, right side, or bunny to third. I was surprised that they got him bunny here, though. Stealing second, and Ben Kavich, who was picked up from the Twins, right now the only player who's playing the whole clip. It is great, great but shit, dude. This yeah, great. On a Did you say it's great shit? Yeah, absolutely, man. Listen to the fans. Listen to Fenway going nuts. Holy shit! The tying run. We are now. Tie game. That was baseball in his pure form right there. Listen to Fenway. Yeah. Listen to that. Could you imagine what it would have been like to be in that stadium? That would have been awesome, man. man the dugout's going crazy. The fans are going crazy. What's your word? What's your word you always use? Uh, pandemonium. Pandemonium. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, I mean, I'm pumped up just watching that. I mean, literally. <laughs> Thank you, Major League Baseball. Yes. All rights go to you. If you can find a 400 download podcast, well, 400 even close. We ain't even hit I mean, 400. I'm pretty yet. sure you can, anybody can, you can watch the whole series on there. You can. So, we're in extra innings now, tied at four runs apiece. Both teams threatened for more runs in the 11th inning, but the game remained tied. Until the bottom of the 12th. Hey, buddy. What's the matter? He might go potty. Luck, you can go out. Or somebody's here. Let's pause it. Yeah. Okay. Luck went potty. We're good. <laughs> so both teams tried, threatened to hit more runs in the 11th inning, but the game remained tied until the bottom of the 12th. Ramirez led with a single off. New pitcher Paul Quantrell, who had relieved Tom Gordon, and then Ortiz hit a two-run walk-off homer yeah. to right field. Oh, I should have played that one. That I remember that uh, epic. I should have played. You know what? Why not, right? Well, yeah. I mean, this is a good at. Why not, right? So, let's just see. History being made. That's basically what it is. So, okay. 
David Ortiz, Game 4 walk-off. All right, why not? You know what? This is an important series. This ain't even a World Series. That's how great this was. No, I hate commercials. I, I do, too. It's unnecessary. Unnecessary propaganda. I mean, smoked it, dude. We'll see you later tonight. We'll see you later Listen to that crowd at Fenway. Big popping. <laughs> they mob him at the play. Great thing. The momentum has shifted, folks. More there. Hyper. With one swing of the bat. Dude, he knocked cover off there. Deep right field. Hit that ball 400 feet, bro. Easy. Easy. The Yankees had been pitching him inside all night. He finally connected a guy who won the division series against the Anaheim Angels. Wins this game here tonight. I mean, that ball Pitch left in a hurry. Look at him rush out of the dugout. And this ALCS will live on. It's like they won the World Series right there. That, to them that was because even though they staved off elimination, they're still down three games to, to one. one. Yes. So if you're a realist, you're like, uh, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a glimmer of hope. I mean... But uh, Ortiz become the first player with two walk-off homers in the first postseason uh, in the ALDS and this. Um, the stolen base by Dave Roberts changed the outcome of this game, oh. the outcome of that series. Uh, Epic moment. In the 30 for 30 documentary we referenced earlier, four days in October, Kevin Millar said it best. He's talking about what Roberts would do that night. We knew what he was going to do. The Yankees knew what he was going to do. He did. I mean, that's that's all. <laughs> yeah. But the important thing, this series was not over. So we go to game five the very next night. I mean, that game's already in midnight, so the same night. Are you okay, Luck? He's going to go potty again. No. He might have to go out. I mean, he's about to throw up. Dude. Oh, boy. Pause it. Good folks. We're back. Yeah, sorry about that. Folks. It's okay. So right. that so here we are, hours later. Kurt, Philip Morris, me with R.J. Reynolds, tobacco. <laughs> so New York, game five, they score four runs off of twelve hits. Boston scores thirteen runs off of five hits. So. Game five began that night at 5.11 p.m. Uh, just 16 hours, <laughs> yeah. 16 hours after game four ended. Messina led the Yankees against Pedro Martinez. The Red Sox drew first blood this time. 
David Ortiz drove in a run with an RBI single after two out, after two one out singles, and Jason Veritek walked with the bases loaded in the first inning to give Boston a 2-0 lead right off the bat. But Bernie Williams homered in the second inning off of Pedro to close the gap 2-1, a score which will hold up for several innings. Despite seven strikeouts by Martinez in the top of the sixth inning, Jorge Posada and Ruben Sierra singled with one out. <coughs> Damn, I'm like in the mic. I can hear myself. Miguel, Miguel Carrio was hit by a pitch to load the bases. Jeter cleared the bases with a double, giving the Yankees a 4-2 to lead. So, here we go. Now yep. everybody's got their mind. Okay, here, here's what's yep, going to happen. Collapse, right? we, we had we had one game. We, we staved <laughs> off a sweep, but now is when it, it, it's done and over with. Well, not exactly. The Red Sox threatened again in the seventh inning, but they came up empty. For the second straight night, however, the Yankee bullpen could not keep the lead. Ortiz led off the eighth inning with a home run off former Red Sox reliever Tom Gordon who we've been talking about all night, making it a one-run game. Kevin Millar followed with a walk and was again replaced by pinch runner Dave Roberts, who went to third on Trout Nixon's single. Gordon was replaced by the greatest closer in baseball (laughs) history, Mariano Rivera. And with the lead still intact, but Veritek's sacrifice fly tied the game. The Yankees threatened in the top of the ninth when former Red Sox Tony Clark... Uh-huh. Hit the ball deep to right with two outs, but the ball took a hop over the short right field wall. You know what that means? Ground rule double. Ground rule double, forcing Ruben Sierra to stop at third, third yep. where Big he play. was stranded to set up another extra innings duel. I mean, I've said it before. Baseball is such a unique game on just the situations in it. It's just pretty cool. I mean... That little thing, that ball hopping over the wall right there, that plays big. I mean, otherwise... That excites the team it goes good for. That breaks the heart of the team it goes bad for. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, that was going to be a run. I mean, you love sports like I do. Can you tell me in your heart of heart that baseball is the most exciting one out of all out of all them, if you really if love... If you really know your sport, yeah. I mean, and you really love baseball, yeah, it's... You see momentum changes in NFL games and NHL games, and I love them both. That's awesome. You saw momentum switch in basketball. That's awesome. But there ain't nothing like seeing momentum shift in yeah. baseball. Yeah, and the rally caps come out. And, oh, man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, each pitch, each play is so epic. I mean, I know it's not politically correct to say Cleveland Indians, but, you know, shoot me. But you go to an Atlanta Braves game, you go to a Cleveland Indians game, and you see the tide switch in there, and you see the tomahawk go, and you hear the tomahawk chant, and you see fucking 50,000 people yeah, in unison. I mean, it's it's a sight to behold. Oh yeah, it's pump you up for sure. Each team would get its share of base runners in the extra inning. Boston's Doug, Mink- I can't say it neither. Ah, <laughs> uh, Mink- yeah. I can't say it. You said it earlier. Make it rich. Make make. McCavich, McCavich. Doug. We'll call Doug him Doug. Oh. Doug doubled in the 10th and moved to third. Unfortunately, didn't score. Two Red Sox led off with the 11th with singles, but Esteban Loieza, who struggled since being acquired by the Yankees, came in to pitch with one out and got Orlando Cabrera to ground and do a double play. 
knuckleballer Tim Wakefield came in in relief once again for the Red Sox in the 12th inning. He allowed a single to Miguel Cario, who went to second on a Manny Ramirez era, but was eventually stranded. In the top of the 13th, Jason Veritek, who didn't normally catch for Wakefield, backup catcher Doug Marabelli did, Yep. yep. Uh, and who admitted to being poor at catching knuckleballs, allowed three pass balls, yep. but the Yankees would strand runners on second and third when Sierra struck out. Uh, Luisa pitched well for the first two innings, but in the bottom of the 14th, Johnny Damon and Manny Ramirez walked, bringing Ortiz up with two outs. The previous night, Ortiz was the talk of the town. Oh, yeah. He was the hero, right? Yeah. Uh, and he did it again, singling to center on the 10th pitch of the at-bat to bring home Damon, setting off another celebration at Fenway and staving off elimination for the second straight night. Uh, Fox TV announcer Tim McCarva would say, he didn't do it again, did he? Yes, he did. <laughs> Uh, the late inning heroics of Ortiz and the Red Sox gave fans a chance to create their own chant, Who's Your Poppy? Yeah. In rebuttal to the Who's Your Daddy chant used by the Yankees fans in reference yes, to a Pedro Martinez yes, quote. Yeah. Who's your poppy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's your poppy? He can rake, man. Great hitter. This game set the record for a the longest duration of a postseason game at five hours and 49 minutes, a record which was broken the next year, though, by game four of the 2005 NLDS between the Astros and the Braves, which only was a minute longer, even though that was an 18-inning game instead of 14. Both games would eventually be passed by game two of the 2014 NLDS between the Nationals and the Giants, which was also 18 innings, but significantly longer time-wise, lasting six hours and 23 minutes. And to, and just to just, my score a run. <laughs> just, just to just to do this for you, come and keep this going because you know I like I like deep slow. I mean deep stats. <laughs> this game was in turn broken by Game Three of the 2018 World Series between the Red Sox and the Dodgers. Oh, you bleed Dodger blue, don't yes, you, baby? I do. Uh, that game lasted 18 innings as well, but it was seven hours and 20 minutes. Uh, so, yeah. Game five of the NLCS began at 8.54 Eastern Standard Time on the same night and was intended to be the second part of Fox's two-game telecast. However, that game proceeded quickly, and despite starting almost four hours after the ALCS, ended only 24 minutes after the final pitch of this game. So... Yeah, a lot of baseball. Yeah. A lot of unnecessary information you didn't know you needed in your oh, life well. I told you. Right. So, this victory by the Red Sox would force the game six. Before this, the 1998 Atlanta Braves and the 1999 New York Mets were the only baseball teams to ever be down 0-3 in a seven-game series and force the game six, but unfortunately, both those teams lost their series. In the fall of 2004, Everyone was still thinking the same thing. If anyone tells you different, right. they're liars. Right. Boston extended their lives one more night, but this dream was fixing to die come game six. Yeah. And boy, were we all wrong. Yep. One thing that was on the mind of the Red Sox nation, what was going on with Kurt Schilling's ankle, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, during game four in the back training room of the Red Sox clubhouse, 
Schilling had undergone a procedure that stabilized his tendon by attaching the skin around the tendon to the deep tissue. <laughs> this created a sheath to hold the tendon in place. It was the first surgery of its kind to ever be attempted, and they didn't even do it in a fucking hospital. Yeah, yeah. They did it in the training room of the clubhouse. <laughs> the training room of the clubhouse. Team doctors and a special surgeon come into Fenway and did this in the clubhouse. So what followed would be game six, Tuesday, October 19th, 2004, in the Bronx, what is also known in baseball lore as the Bloody Sock Game. Yep. You're smiling. Oh, <laughs> if there ever was gritty, gutty performance, here it comes. You know he's got to be hurting. Word association about that later, I promise. Don't. Don't do it now. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> So, box score for game six. Boston scored four runs off 11 hits. The Yankees would score two runs off of six hits. Which means we're going to go to a game seven. But before we can get to game seven, we got to go through game six. In game six, Kurt Schilling stood on the mound, baby. Stitches in his ankle tore, and his white sock would become soaked with blood. Known as the Bloody Sock Game. On the other side of the field, John Lieber of the Yankees would take the mound. Schilling pitched with a torn tendon sheet in his right ankle, which was sutured in place in an unprecedented procedure, as we mentioned. The teams played the first few innings scoreless as cold and very windy conditions combined with a light rain, keeping many hard-hit balls in the field of play. Lieber, who had played, who had pitched lights out in Game 2, was the first of the starters to drop the ball, to the surprise of many, gave, given how strong his Game 2 performance was and Schilling's injured state. Lieber surrendered a two-out single to Veritek, driving in Kevin Millar. Orlando Cabrera singled to left field, and Mark Bellhorn, who had struggled pretty much the entire yep. series. You know, we didn't talk about him. He drove a line drive in the left field stands. The ball struck a fan in the hands who attempted to catch the yes. ball, and it dropped back onto the field, which umpire signaled the ball to still be in play, prompting Terry Francona to run on the field and argue the yes. ruling. That was all over ESPN yes. the next morning when I got up for school. The officiating crew huddled. They overruled the call. Bellhorn had a three-run home run, and the Red Sox had a 4-0 lead in Game 6. Schilling, still injured from the ALDS in Game 1, pitched seven strong innings, only allowing one run on a Bertie Williams yarder. To stabilize the tendon in his ankles, doctors had placed three sutures connecting the skin with the ligament. I just say this because I love seeing you freak out. With the ligament and deep connective tissue next to the bone, effectively creating a wall of tissue to keep the tendon from disrupting Schilling's pitching motion. You, I bet you can see Kurt's face. You know that motherfucker's in pain. Oh, good yeah. God. Go to YouTube, hop on your Google machine, and watch Kurt Schilling pitch. I mean, watch him pitch in every game he's in in the 2004 postseason, but specifically watch this game six. You talk about gutsy. Oh, my. Uh Schilling was forced to field his position once, and he visibly limped to first base to field the toss from Millar. Nevertheless, the Yankees did not bunt 
for the duration of Schilling's addict. Something Joe Torrey later explained as not playing out of the normal character of his team. Torrey also admitted that he had known beforehand how bad the injury really was. He might have changed his mind and make Schilling work for it. By the end of the performance, Schilling's white sock was soaked in blood. I think he worked for it. And he would later say this is the most exhausted he'd ever been after a game. Bronson Aurora took the mound in the eighth inning and with one out allowed a Miguel Caro double. Jeter singled him in to close the gap to 4-2, to two, leading up the series' most controversial play. You know where I'm going with this? Okay, uh, yeah. here we go. A-Rod grounded a ball to Aurora, who picked up the ball and ran to the baseline to tag Rodriguez out. But Rodriguez would slap Aurora's arm down, knocking the ball loose. I do remember that. You do remember that? Well, for those that don't, why don't we just hop on the Google machine and play this? Because uh, I, I remember vividly watching this replay multiple times that morning before school. So let's go. Let's just pull that up on the YouTube. It's already coming up. Bronson Arroyo A-Rod. Let's see here. Shout out Major League Baseball. We are all over you tonight. Best week. Oh, commercial. Commercial. Here we, oh, we can skip this one. Yes. All right, here we go, folks. Here's what we're talking about. Off the end of the bat. Arroyo. The ball gets loose. It's down the right field line. Jeter coming all the way around. It's a one-run game. And now we're going to have an argument as Francona comes out of the dugout. He totally doesn't end on purpose. He's out. He he's out. out. Yeah. That is no question. As Arroyo puts the ball oh, in the yeah. glove, yeah. the left arm came down. That's not a running no. motion, folks. Arroyo getting dirty. And they're yep. going to call him out. Yep, out. good call. They got the call right. So Jeter's got to go back. Bring Jeter all the way back to first base. Yep. And this umpire crew... Boy, they're getting booed out of the box. Yeah, I just seen a baseball go flying yeah, on the firing crew. They're throwing baseballs on the field. Now they're going to have to call the players off the field. Everybody's going to have to leave the field. Terry Francona saying, what a I want to get my guys off the field. <laughs> The fans are throwing balls yeah. trash. But what he clearly knocked bum. the ball out of the glove of Arroyo. Take a run off the board. Put Jeter back at first. Two out in the inning with Sheffield coming up. That's the right call. You can see the body of Minkiewicz. I think it's the right the call. The first oh, base yeah. by Randy Marsh. So to take Randy Marsh, the crew chief, off the hook on the call. He, he missed first see. base, too. But it was Marsh who then made the call. And Rodriguez is called out. Look at A-Rod. He's pissed. Yeah. <laughs> what a bunch of bums throwing okay. shit on the field, dude. I don't know. So where were we? Shut that shit off. 
<coughs> After a long conversation with the umpires, Rodriguez was called out for interference. Jeter was ordered back to first, thus wiping out the school. The call further incensed the New York fans, already irate over the home run call in the fourth. <laughs> Torrey and Rodriguez continued to frantically argue with the umpires. Many fans began to throw balls and trash on the field. They're being a bunch of babies. Yeah. Bums. Terry Francona pulled his players from the field to protect them. After a delay, order was finally restored. Aurora got out of the inning unscathed. In the top of the ninth, after a leadoff single by Veritek, his third hit of the night, by the way, Paul Quantrell, the Game 4 loser, the Yankees attempted to turn double play. However, on a very close play, Orlando Cabrera was called safe at first base. This was the third time in the game the frustrated New York fan base had a close call go against their team, and they once again showered the field with balls and debris. Bums. I don't even know what to say. Like That's terrible. This is supposed to be the most storied franchise yeah, in baseball. Yeah, they're acting though. like a bunch of bums. Well, the New Yorkers, man. Aye, aye. New Yorkers. Uh, as the Yankees made a pitch and change to insert starts into the game to relieve Quentrell, home plate umpire Joe West conversed with New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, MLB Security Director Kevin Hallahan, and various NYPD officials. Shortly after this, Sturtz was told to stop his warm-up, and the NYPD officers <laughs> began <laughs> streaming out of the dugouts and took to the field in full fucking riot gear. Okay? They're storming the field in riot gear. These two teams don't like each other. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the New York fan base. It, I mean, it's terrible. I mean, I mean, I... The, <laughs> wait, it gets better. The police would remain on the field near first and third base for the remainder of the top of the ninth. When the game finally resumed, Sturts did get out of the inning, stranding Cabrera. The police vacated the field during the break between innings, Red Sox closer Keith Falk came in for the bottom of the ninth and allowed Matt Suey and Sierra to walk, bringing Tony Clark to the plate as the potential pennant-winning run. But Clark struck out swinging on a full count to end the game. Five previous teams had managed to win one game after going down 3-0 in postseason series. Of these five, two made it to a game six. But now the Red Sox, the 26th team in Major League Baseball history to face a 3-0 series deficit, became the first team to force a Game 7. After the game, an exhausted, hurt Kurt Schilling proudly wore his shirt with the Red Sox motto, Why Not Us in the Locker Room during the press conference. All right? All right. And here we are, son. Game 7. Now it's go time. Boston versus New York. Forget about... Forget about the Yankees versus Red Sox for a minute, okay? What do I always say? Boston versus New York, any sport at any level, any level, professional or collegiate, will always be the greatest sports rivalry of all time. Yeah. It's not Yankees, Red Sox. It's not Patriots, Giants. It's not Knicks, Celtics. It's any sport, Boston, New York, New York yeah. and. Here we go in a game seven with the advantage, with the winner advancing to the World Series. Tied at three games apiece after the Yankees were up three games to none and blew it. <laughs> <laughs> and blew it. What did I say, Kurt? 
He, he blew it. I got somebody to say it even better. You blew it! <laughs> One more time, Yankees fans. You blew it! <laughs> but they didn't completely blow it. They just blew the, blew the lead. I mean, this is Yankees we're talking about. I mean, they had, at this point, they had 26 World Series. Yes. Okay? We won't talk about the 27th no. one. No. Uh-uh. They, You know who they beat for their the 27th? Phillies, yeah. The who's, who's Phillies? Uh, you're, uh, well... You're yeah. truly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My Phillies. Yes. Fucking Yankees. Yeah. So here we go, son. Game seven. The ALCS. Wednesday, October 20th, 2004. Yankee Stadium. How sweet it is that this game took place yeah. at Yankee Stadium. Box score. Boston. Scored 10 runs off 13 hits. The New York Yankees scored three runs off of five hits. Yeah. And here we go. And and you're going to like this, son. For inspiration for their ALCS comeback, the Red Sox gathered in the Yankee Stadium's visitor clubhouse several hours earlier than expected to watch the movie Miracle. you know what the movie Miracle is? I'm not sure. It's about the 1980 U.S. men's oh. Olympic hockey team. Yeah. Okay. The Yankees, meanwhile, I want to say this and then you can elaborate. The Yankees, meanwhile, met at the clubhouse several hours earlier as well on their home turf to have Bucky Dent give an inspirational speech while he also threw out the first pitch. Can you tell our listeners, for those that don't know, who Bucky Dent is? Uh, shortstop. New York Yankees, 1978. Eight. Yes. Somewhere in Their there. Their one-game playoff against the Boston the Red, Red Sox. Sox. Yeah. Cleared the monster in Fenway, I believe. A light-hitting Bucky Dent. Bucky Dent's a cool name. Not it even is. A lie. Great shortstop. So, here we go. Game 7 began at 8.30. The starting pitchers, Derek Lowe and Kevin Brown. Johnny Damon would lead off the game with a single to left and a stolen base, but was thrown out of home trying to score on a Manny Ramirez base hit. Okay, big deal. You're excited, you're trying, no big deal. The very next pitch, however, was lined in the right field bleachers by David Ortiz to give Boston a 2-0 advantage. The Yankees went down in order in the first inning. Brown retired Trot Nixon on a ground out to the top of the second. What a name. Trot Trot Nixon. But Kevin Millar singled to center field before Brown walked Moeller and Cabrera to load the bases. Torrey then replaced Brown with Javier Vasquez to face Johnny Damon, who hammered his first pitch into the right field seats for a grand slam to make the score 6-0 Boston. Lowe, meanwhile, on two days rest, pitched six innings, only allowing one run on one hit when Miguel Caro was hit by a pitch in the third, stole second, and would score on Jeter's single. Vasquez walked Cabrera to lead off the fourth before Damon homered on his first pitch to make it 8-1 Boston and give him three hits and six RBIs. After walking two batters, Vasquez was then released by Esteban, who allowed a single to Veritek to load the bases before retiring Trot Nixon and Kevin Millar to end the inning. Loeza then threw three shutout innings, allowing three hits. 
Pedro would then relieve Lowe in the seventh inning, receiving the loud chance of Who's Your Daddy, which intensified <laughs> when he gave up a leadoff double to, who do you want to guess? Matsui. Hideki Matsui. Son of a bitch, I love <laughs> Matsui and I hate the Yankees. <clears throat> Matsui, who scored on Bernie Williams' double. Jorge Posada grounded out. Williams scored on Kenny Lofton's single. But John Allard struck out, and Cario flew out to end the inning. So a whole lot of shit going yeah, on here. Yeah. In the eighth, Mark Bell homered for the second night in a row off Tom Gordon to make it 9-3 Boston. The next inning, Trout Nixon. Yeah. You love that, don't yeah, you? Trout Nixon. <laughs> Hit a leadoff single, advancing to second on Doug. McCavich. I'm just going to call him Doug. McCavich. I can't remember yeah. that, how to pronounce that name. On Doug's single, then went to third on a Muller sacrifice fly before scoring on a sacrifice fly by Orlando Cabrera. The greatest closer in baseball history, Mariano Rivera, relieved Gordon and retired Johnny Damon in the inning. Mike Timlin pitched a scoreless eighth and started the ninth for the Sox, but allowed a leadoff single to Matsui, Matsui. and walked Lofton with two outs. Alan Embry was brought in to finish the game for Boston. At 12.01 a.m. on October 21st, Ruben Sierra hit a ground ball to second baseman Pokey Reese, who threw to first baseman Doug whatever to finish the <laughs> unprecedented comeback. This was the Red Sox first pennant since 1986. They won 10-3 and became the third team in sports history and the first since the 1975 NHL's New York Islanders to win a seven-game series after losing the first three games of the series. For the Yankees, this was their first time losing in an ALCS in eight appearances, their last elimination coming in 1980. Fun fact, who they play? Uh, you know who won the World Series in the 80? My Phillies. Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. so they won the NL. Do you know who they've... Uh, who would Royals. be Would have been the Royals? Yeah, I think Ro- it Royals been. and Phillies played in the 80 World Series. Do you know who is named the ALCS Series MVP? Big Poppy. Big Poppy. I mean, uh, if you have to uh, give it to the team that wins. If you, would, right. if you wouldn't give it to the team that wins, it had been Hideki Matsui. Oh, yeah, hands down. It gets better. A riot would then break out following the win near Fenway Park in which a college journalism student was accidentally shot and killed by police trying to control the rioting crowd. So, you know, that's kind of... Uh, yeah. But the Sox had done the unthinkable. Oh, yeah. By winning the last four games after a 3-0 deficit. Nobody and it did. was all that much sweeter... Because they routed the Yankees. Nobody gave them a chance. No. They were written off. And then the rest is history. Boston Globe writer Bob Ryan would write, this was the single most stressful and exhilarating (laughs) week in Boston sports history. The actual World Series would be anticlimactic in comparison. For the third time in 58 years, the Sox would be up against the St. Louis Cardinals. Epstein said, time to play Finland now. Referring to the 1980 U.S. men's hockey team upset over Russia, which most people forget was not the gold medal game, which was in reference to Boston having watched the film Miracle before Game 7. So, for 
The series itself, the ALCS. The Boston Red Sox had 75 hits, 41 runs. The Yankees had 78 hits, 45 runs. That math does not seem to equate. No, no. I might have had those switched around. The winning runs. I could have. I could have. Yeah. It was probably like two. This one was done last night or two nights before. This was done. When we work last Thursday? Thursday. So this yeah. was done Friday I morning. Work, I didn't work Thursday. Yeah. He was, you know, yeah. Yeah. I was there without you and it sucked. Sorry. Bro. This was done at like two o'clock Friday morning. So it's possible I switched those numbers around. But you get the idea. Right. So you're ready for some records and deep stats? Oh, yeah. The 2004. ALCS, Kurt, set all kinds of Major League Baseball records. Let's hear him. Want to hear him? Oh, yeah. Okay, let me run through this. I hope you appreciate all the work I do for this. Oh, absolutely. The Red Sox became the first Major League team to win eight straight postseason games in the same postseason because they swept the World Series. They won four straight in ALCS. The Oakland A's had won 10 straight postseason games, but they were spread out over two postseasons. The Yankees had won 11 straight, but it was spread out over two postseasons. The 2005 Chicago White Sox repeated this feat, however, as did the 2014 Kansas City Royals, who should have won the World Series that year, and the 2019 Washington Nationals. The Red Sox became the third team in North American sports history to lose the first three games of a best-of-seven series and win the last four, joining the 1942 Toronto Maple Leafs, the 75 New York Islanders, and Boston's own NHL franchise, the Bruins. Uh, Actually, the Boston's NFL franchise, the Bruins, would find themselves on the wrong side of that in 2010, losing to the Flyers and the Eastern Conference. My bad. Game three was prior to game five of the 2016 NLDS between the Dodgers and the Nationals, the longest ninth inning preseason, which blah, blah, blah. We already talked about that. In game three, Hideki Matsui had five hits and five RBIs, tying a record. Uh, Game five was the longest game. We had talked about that. Big Poppy became the first player to hit two walk-off home runs in the same postseason. 2004 ALDS, Game 3 and Game 4. Or 2004 ALDS, Game 3, and 2004 ALCS, Game 4. So now I got some... I got, I, we got we got to tie this up a little bit here now. So after dominating much of baseball since 1996, this will be the closest that Joe Torre led the Yankees to get back to the World Series. They would not get back until... 2009, when they beat the defending champion, my Philadelphia Phillies, in six games, which I was never so happy. I tell you what, we gotta do this. We gotta we're we're, we're going to get to that. We will. That might be the next one, just because I need to feel better. The 2008 World Series was sweet. I watched every single game. We won the World Series. I loved it. I wanted the win in 2009 much more. I would trade. If, if God would have let me and the baseball guys would let me, I would trade the 2008 World Series win back to them just to have 2009. Because there was something about that series in 09. It just, oh my God. And uh, 
man, t- just God, how old was I in 2009? I would have been 22 years old. I'm, t- I'm trying to think. I was. T- I've been 22 years old. Philadelphia running down. Shane oh, well, okay, Victorino. we had we had Shane Victorino, Riel Bonyaz, Jason Ward, Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, uh, Ryan. God damn, Ryan Howard. Uh, Who played third? Was it, was it a, a boy from Jasper? Rolling? No, no, he was done going by yeah. And and the pitching rotation. Cliff Dave Lee wouldn't quit Cliff Lee wouldn't get there for another season. Or not Cliff Lee, damn it, Roy Halliday. We had Cliff Lee, you had Cole Hamels, uh Jamie Moyer, they brought it. Uh, Jamie Moyer was oh, old, like forty five years old or solid, something like that. Solid left hand. Um, crafty. But you had Cliff Lee, you had Cole Hamels, uh God damn it. Kyle Kendrick was on there, I, I believe. I think maybe Lance Swan. Or not Lance Swan. Uh, was Howie Kendrick on the team? I'm trying to play I think who played third base. I don't know. I was 22 years old. How, how long ago was 2000? Uh, uh, no, now it's 19, 10. I've been 11, 12 years 11 ago. Years, yeah. 12 years ago, thereabouts. I would give the 08 World Series back to have the 09 one because it was just that series was special. Even though you know that list I always reference when we do World Series episodes. They there's been 116 World Series. They covered 116 World Series, ranked them from 116 all the way down to one. 2009 World Series finished somewhere in the 60s or the 70s. There's just something about that series, man. It was gritty. Philadelphia, you know, Boston and New York's always going to have a special rivalry in any sport, but Philadelphia and New York can yeah. get, I mean, there's been some I, that, knockouts. That Philly team, I liked them. They were. They were flashy, but they were also gritty Sh- at the Shane, same time. Shane Victorino said it all for, I mean, just. Shane Victorino was a hell, was a hell of a player. <laughs> Tough out, dude. I mean. Raul, Raul Abanez yeah. always had that big old chawl yeah. in his mouth. A great team. Yeah, they will get anyways. This series is often seen as a turning point of the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry, which up until this point was often dominated by the Yankees. Ever since the Red Sox owner, Harry Frazee, traded Babe Ruth to the Yankees for cash on January 5, 1920, the Yankees would become the premier team in baseball, winning a record 26 World Series and 39 pennants from 1920 to 2003. Meanwhile, the Red Sox, who were baseball's most successful franchise up until 1920, only winning a handful of pennants after trading Ruth and losing every World Series they played in. (laughs) However, since 2004, and we'll touch back on this in a minute because I think this is where I mix my notes up a little bit, the Red Sox have won four World Series compared to just one Yankees title. The 2010s was the first ever decade the Yankees franchise did not play in a World Series since the 1910s and the first in which they did not win a World Series since the 80s. In the same decade, the Red Sox won a World Series in 2013 and 2018. And on their way to a championship in 2018, they defeated the Yankees in four games in the ALDS, which was the first postseason matchup between the two since the 2004 ALCS. Uh, and then I talk about some, uh, you know, this is where I was talking earlier. This was going to touch, uh, just four or five days ago, the Yankees and Red Sox would play in a one game American league wild card, 
with the Red Sox winning six to two. And since this is this is quoted from Jeff Passan of ESPN.com. Since the Yankees were up 3 0 in the 2004 ALCS, the Red Sox have beaten them in eight of nine postseason games. <laughs> a court, Boston has won four World Series and New York won in that time frame. And according to the Elias Sports Bureau, which is a very, you know, I recommend the Elias Sports Bureau, it's literally been 100 years since any other team has sustained similar playoff success against the Yankees. As the Yankees have gone south, the Red Sox have been on the rise. Never in the history of four major sports has a team came back from a 3-0 deficit to win a series. Boston wasn't done, though, as they had a date with the Cardinals coming up. So just to tie up the loose ends here, uh, just because I want to, uh, a week later the curse would be broke, the 86-year drought would end, and the Boston Red Sox would win the 2004 World Wasn't Series. Wasn't even close. They swept them, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, and actually, even though this is the ALDS, just because this ties in, I want to go ahead and play the. I want to play the winning call for that. If that's okay with you. Yeah, that's fine. Well, I did something to my fucking phone here. Please stand by. Yeah, please stand by. Oh, okay, there we go. 2004. Red Sox win World Series. Right here. I just, I mean, because the only way to finish this episode up, I, I want to, I want to tie this in just to complete oh, yeah, the story. Sure. Just, I mean, even though it's not about the World Series, that's the gecko. That's the gecko. All right, here we go. They swept in four, oh, yeah. four games, yeah. had been broken. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, the Cardinals were a good team. They had won 100-plus games, uh, basically. They had a young man by the uh, name of Albert Pujols then, didn't he? Yeah. Would that have been his rookie season? I don't think Maybe. it was the rookie season. Anyways, uh, this team, a group who had called themselves idiots, along with half the other country, had finally given their fans what they were asking for, a World Series championship. The parade in Boston 48 hours later drew over 3.2 million fans and was the largest celebration in, at the time, the 374-year history of the city of Boston. There's a lot of Samuel Adams drinking that. (laughs) Well... So now I'm I'm gonna I mean uh, we're gonna start transition a little bit here. Uh, 
And I'm going to ask you some what ifs, and you give me your opinion, and I'll give you mine, and we can talk about it a little bit. Because I wanted to start to work towards the close of this episode a little different tonight. Okay. Because I had a lot of fun putting this one together. Right. And uh, I got a whole bunch of kind of makes you what ifs, kind of. So I want you to go back to when Rivera's on the mound with Kevin Millar in game four. Okay. Okay. Uh, credit my source for this, and I don't remember where I got it, but I'll remember it when I see the name at the bottom of my notes. So hold that thought. Imagine if Rivera had got the Red Sox out and the Yankees go on to win the World Series. Okay? So many things would have carried on, I believe, the same way they were. The oh, Yankees yeah. beat the Red Sox at every turn. The history of the two teams would have continued the uh, way they oh, were. Yeah, there ain't no doubt about it. Okay. Think about what that means then. A-Rod would have basically delivered in his first season. Right. He'd have been worth the trade. He'd have been a celebrated hero. You know? Um Now where am I at? Fuck. First hit off a cigarette's always the best. Uh, okay, so, you know, the image of the first season for A-Rod New York would have been more about his home runs instead of him knocking the ball out. Uh, there'd be no game seven in the Bronx where Joe Torrey turned to an overmatched Kevin Brown who had by the way, Kevin Brown broke his hand down the stretch. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. I did not I, know I that. I do remember that, yeah. I do not remember that at all. Of course, I didn't watch a single one of these games, but I every morning, the highlights on ESPN before school, did not know Kevin broke his own hand. Okay, so he wouldn't turn down to Kevin, and he wouldn't tell him to ha- turn to Javier Vasquez, who bombed out badly, okay? Brown and... Vasquez's horrific outings <coughs> become the highlight of the loss of Pettit and Clemens the previous winter. The team would then spend big money to bring him back. If you remember at this point, which I remember this clear as day, the season before or two seat, whenever it was, Roger Clemens and Andy Pettit right. retreated to the Houston Astros. Right. So they were buddy buddy together. Right. The team brought them back to New York. Right. Okay. So let me ask you this. So then Red Sox fans took over Yankee Stadium, turned it into like, uh, what the fuck would you call it? Uh, Fenway 2, Fenway South, <laughs> yeah. something. Uh, what else happens? Kurt Schilling bringing him in's a flop. Kurt's probably gone in a year or yeah, two. Yeah. It's just a flop. Pedro. His last game as a Red Sox was losing in the Bronx. Chances are he's gone. Yeah. Manny Ramirez would be gone. Damon's eventual defection to the Yankees would just be a cruel, yeah. cruel joke. Yeah, I agree. But now, even if the Red Sox would go on, continue on the path, and they would win in 2007, 2013, and 2018 in the World Series, which they did. Right. They won those World Series. There would be an asterisk hanging over them because, sure, they won, yeah, but they didn't go through the Yankees right. to get them, right. so people wouldn't give it a fair shake. You wouldn't have slayed the dragon. This is definitely a dragon slaying. 
The Yankees lost Game 6 with Tony Clark at the plate and Game 7 with Ruben Sierra batting. In both cases, the absence of Jason Giambi was noticeable. Would you agree? Definitely. Think so? Yeah. Because I do. For sure. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Sure bet. Yeah, sure bet. Sure bet, bud. Sure bet. Sure bet. Okay. Let's see what else we got. Tom Gordon pitched terribly in game five and seven. I'd forgotten about Giambi. Yeah, I did too. Until I went back and read. I'm like, Giambi didn't play in this series. No, he did not. Hence Tony Clark filling in. Tom Gordon pitched terribly in game five. He pitched like shit in game seven. And the Red Sox bullpen was superior for once. The words choke and the Yankees went together. That never happened. And their bats woke up. And for once, the Red Sox were World Series champions. Not everything would go the Yankees' way. The world's... Yeah. In a way, it was the climax and... The resolution of the Red Sox-Yankees rival. Despite ESPN and Fox's best efforts, it's simply not the same. Blah, blah, blah. Generation, a generation now has seen the Yankees lose to the Red Sox more than they've seen the Yankees do. And that article ended by saying this was the greatest missed opportunity in Yankees history. I agree. So I'm like, that's harsh. Now, I want <laughs> I want. I want. I'll, I'll, I put this in here because I think you'll get a quick. On the ten-year anniversary of the 2004 ACLS, Matt Provisano, a staff writer for Yankees fan site PinstripeAlley.com, wrote the following. And this is just a short paragraph, so bear with me. He said, and I quote: "I think most Yankees fans, even the rational ones you may find, ignore that 2004 even existed in our psyche. <laughs> we talk about the dynasty years." Aaron Boone, the silliness of the Dinger happy and horrible pitching staff of the mid-2000s. We talk about the 2009 win over Philadelphia. Fuck you, by the way. And the mediocrity of the past few seasons. Hell, we even talk about the 2001 World Series. We talk about how great of a series it was for us and the country coming off of 9-11 despite our loss to the Diamondbacks. Yet 2004 remains a black hole. Fandom is a strange phenomenon. There's an allegiance to laundry, as Jerry Seinfeld would say, for arbitrary reasons such as family ties, location, nostalgia, or whatever it may be. And for better or worse, we put a hell of a lot of stock in the outcome of these random events that happened to totally random strangers for our arbitrary team. But for an 11-year-old kid like me at the time, this wasn't so great. This was Yankees versus Red Sox, good versus evil, light versus dark. The Yankees were the clean cut. Derek Jeter's, Jorge Posadas, and A-Rods. The Red Sox were just a bunch of bearded goons who clipped their toenails in the dugout like unruly jackasses. How could they be better than the Yankees? End quote. Uh, and I think he summed that article yeah. up perfectly. Um, we touched on it earlier about how it's a motley crew and yeah, the that clean was, cut yep. Yankees. So now I... Uh, my computer was being a bitch, so I couldn't. So I had to screenshot this on my phone. Biatch. Yeah. So uh, I got some Red Sox batting stats for you. As a team, they had 271 at bats, 
Uh, 75 hits off 41 runs. So actually, I had that right earlier, I guess. It just don't make sense to me how they can win. Anyways, the team batting average as a whole was 277. The on-base percentage was a 344, and the slugging percentage was a 439. Is there any guy in particular you would like me to single out and give you his stats for the ALCS? Big Poppy. David Ortiz. Where is Big Poppy? Where's Big Poppy? David Ortiz. David Ortiz. Why do I not see David Ortiz? Oh, there we go. 31 at-bats. He had 12 hits, 6 runs. Uh, Let's see. He had 3 home runs, ran in 11 RBIs. Uh, That's pretty efficient, folks. 387, 457, and his slugging percentage was a 742. Uh, lights out. Yeah. Anybody else in particular you'd uh, like to see for the? Yeah, uh, Kevin Millar. Kevin Millar. 24 at bats. He had six, four runs off of six hits. Uh, he went yard zero times, but he still but 250 batting average. Look at his base on balls. I think he. Uh, I don't he have a, the base on balls. Well, okay, then. He had a great eye. I just remember that. I didn't, I didn't scroll you know, that far over, that, He brother. worked that walk against Rivera. On-base percentage was a 379. That's a slugging bad. percentage was a 373. I'm just curious. Uh, anybody for the Yankees bat? I bet you Matt would. Matt Okay, so I hear, before we get to that, Hideki Matsui, before we get to that. So the Yankees had 277 at-bats in this series. They scored 45 runs off 78 hits. So they out-hit and out-scored Red Sox. But they still lost. But they still lost. Okay. That's, uh, the team unique. batting average was a 282. So they hit better. On-base percentage was a 371. The slugging percentage was a 469. So first, Hideki Matsui. And uh, I love this. I love this. I love this. Hideki Matsui had 34 at-bats in the 2004 ALCS. He scored nine runs off 14 hits. He went yard twice, drove in 10 RBIs. Batting average was a 412. That's fucking phenomenal. That's getting her done. On-base percentage, a 444. And tell me what you think his slugging percentage was. At least seven-something. 824. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. I wish I could. See. Yeah. <laughs> we got to start videoing these podcasts so people could have seen your face. Thirty-four at bats, fourteen hits. That's gonna come out to batting what? I mean, I mean, he's bat. He his batting average was a four twelve. Four twelve. That's pretty good. Good. Anybody else on the Yankees? You uh, let's, let's do Sheffield. Uh, yeah, let's do Sheffield. So Sheffield had thirty at bats. Scored seven runs off of ten hits. Batted three hundred. Went yard one. Uh, batted a three thirty three. On base percentage of four forty four, and a slugging percentage of five thirty three. Okay. Okay. Uh, respectable. Now pitching. Uh, Red Sox. Anything in particular you want to know about the pitching? But before I do. The team's total ERA was a 587, and their whip was a 1609. That's pretty high ERA. Anybody in particular? I guess you want to know probably Kurt Schilling and, uh, Kurt and yeah. Derek Lowe. So Kurt Schilling's ERA was a 6.30. Yeah. Um, 
How many did he set down? He only set down five. How many runs? He gave up seven. Uh, and his whip was 1.20. And the only other one, well, I guess you want to know about Pedro. Pedro was uh, had an ERA of 6.23. He set down, how many did he set down? He set down 14. Uh, and his whip was a 1.769. Brother, for the guy like the three-run homer, this series would have been right up your alley, man. <laughs> and Derek Lowe had a 3.18 ERA. A terrible ERA. I know, dude. He set down six, and his whip was 0.760. So he had the best yeah, walk hits okay. in the pit. Now, the Yankees, uh, the only one I'll talk about is probably Mike Messina. Uh, and Mariano. So, as a team, the Yankees had a 5.17 ERA, so it was better. Uh, and their walk hit any pitch was a 1.478. Now, Mike Messina had a 4.26 ERA. He set down 15 batters, and uh, his whip was a 0.947. That's pretty good. And now... I love meat and taters. You love meeting Terry. For the greatest closer in baseball history. Yeah, hands down. I've said that this whole episode. <laughs> the greatest clo- Mariano Rivera had a 1.29 ERA. He set down six batters. He pitched seven innings altogether. And he had a whip of a 1.143. So. It's uh, un- unhittable to that series, really. Yeah. So now we're a little bit behind. So not really behind. It's early yet. Let's. Uh, so we need to shout out a girl. She is uh, back up and running. She was closed for the Louisville, Clarksville, Jeffersonville, Harvest Homecoming, New Albany thing they all do at that time. Check out Nana's Aroma LLC, located in beautiful Palmyra, Indiana, in Harrison County. I've been through there many times. Yeah. Uh, call her to schedule an appointment for the store due to COVID-19. Uh, but she also ships all over the U.S. You can anything online. Uh, check her out on Facebook. Check her out at nanasaromas.com. Uh, she hand makes everything. Hand wicks or candles. Does the labeling. Everything is done by her. Everything is done in-house. Uh, every batch she makes is in small quantities for better quality control. Uh, she sent us a free candle, which we tell her all the time. She didn't have to. We greatly appreciated that. Um, but give her a call at 812-972-3670. Uh, she's the sweetest lady in the damn world. Me and Kurt love her. I've got to know her pretty well. Since uh, we kind of partnered up here, she is absolutely the sweetest woman in the world. That's what I hear, man. I mean, she is. And her candles, you guys need to get on her page or her Facebook page. She's coming up with new candles every week. She's mixing new scents together every week. And there ain't a damn thing she does that's bad. And uh, give her a call, guys. She would greatly appreciate it. So we're going to have to save our boys for last here. So... That's what we'll close the episode out with. We'll save it our boys. So, Kurt, I have some word association. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Now, I'm going to ask you some word association, and then when we get done, if you decide you want to ask me, okay, you can. So, 
I have 16 things listed for the word association. Wow. As you fire up another cigarette, I'm going to pack me some tobacco. I smoke way too much at your house. All right. The New York Yankees. Boo. Boo? Boo. First thing comes to mind, Boston Red Sox. Storied. Story. Storied. Dave Roberts, stolen base. <laughs> Momentum shifting. That's a good one. I like that. Momentum shifting. Terry Francona. Uh, from the Expos. <laughs> Out of Canada. Joe Torrey. A good skipper. New York blowing a 3-0 lead. Funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, I've got this one in here twice, but it's different. So, just answer what I tell you. Kurt Schilling. Oh, gritty. Okay. Matsui's ALCS play. Heroic. Big Poppy's two walk-off uh, home runs. See, I got that mixed up. That should be heroic. Well, I mean, Matsui's yeah, heroic, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, nobody, yeah, nobody giving Boston a chance. Uh, expected. Expected, okay. Kurt Schilling's bloody sock game and his performance in game six. Oh, uh, my hero. I okay. mean, literally uh, gutsy. I mean, he had to be hurting. Oh, I guarantee you. I mean, yeah. Holy crap. Boston forcing a game seven. Huge. I mean, Huge. Yeah. Game three's 19 to eight box score for the Yankees win. Impressive. Impressive. The 2004 ALCS. Dynamic. Dynamic. Boston breaking the curse of the Great Bambino. About fucking time. <laughs> the last one. Boston's first World Series in 86 years. Uh, historic. Historic. Okay. So, before we move on, that's the end of the notes. I want to thank all my sources for this episode. Uh, Over the Monster, Pinstripe Alley, Wikipedia, ESPN, MLB.com, MLB Network, Baseball Reference, SullyBaseball.com. You'll get a kick out of this one. You know what Botox is? Yeah. Botox yeah, injection? Yeah, yeah. I like to thank BosoxInjection.com. <laughs> That's pretty good. BosoxInjection. Yeah. That's clever. CBS Sports, NBC Sports, Bleacher Report, Outkick the Coverage, the Harford Courant newspaper, the New York Post, USA Today, and the Los Angeles Times. Okay. Uh, it's fun, man. It's fun? Oh, yeah. Good episode? Good episode. Great series. Great series. It wasn't even a World Series. Right. I mean, wow. That's uh, historic for sure. I'm trying to think of what I would say if I could sum this up in one word. The 2004 ALCS. Unlike no other. Unlike I mean, no I can't, I can't yeah. pick one word. First thing come, unlike no other. Yeah. Um, Kurt Schilling's Game 6 performance. Greatest closer in history blowing a save. 
unthinkable. Yeah, for sure. Unthinkable. Well, you got some? I Hit mean, me with a couple. I, mean, I would. Nobody was expecting that. I mean, it, it, bringing Rivera, it's lights out. I'm kind of jealous. You always sit in the hot seat for board <laughs> association. Um, hey, you put me on the spot. If I had my well, here, life. here. Uh, how about this? Why don't you just go through and ask me? Now, you know, nobody could pee while somebody's watching, you know. Go ahead. There you go. Go back and ask me. Okay. Can you see that far, no, old man? No, I can't. Are you serious? New York Yankees. Storied. Yeah. Flipping just a little bit more toward me. I'll be able to see it. Boston Red Sox. Legendary franchise. Okay. All right. Yeah. Dave Roberts, stolen base. Momentum shifting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it turned the tide, literally. I put Joe Girardi. It's supposed to be Joe Torrey. Joe Torrey. Smart. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Terry Francona. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah, okay. Hey. New York blowing a 3-0 lead. Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. No doubt about it. Kurt Schilling. Philadelphia Phillies, first thing I think yeah, of. Okay, right, right on. Uh, Matt Suey's ALCS play. If they gave ALCS MVPs to the losing team, yeah, right, that's what I think of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Big Poppy's two walk-off home runs. First thing that comes to mind, if they didn't win the series, that was the closest they'd get to a World Series. Okay, all right. Uh, nobody giving Boston a chance. Foolish. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they were just too close. I know. Close knit team. You know, they, the camaraderie was there. It's, but we all did it. We all did it. Going oh, yeah. back, I was yeah, a high definitely. school sophomore. And every morning I seen the results, I'm like, this series yeah, ain't going to matter. It's, it's Yankees card. Foolish. Here I was go. foolish now, myself. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Let's see, where am I at here? Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling's bloody sock game. Tougher than a $2 steak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's good. That's good. Uh, Boston forcing a game seven. Uh, Boston forcing a game seven. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody. That's the first thing that uh, comes no, to mind. No, nobody saw it coming. Uh, game three. Three, 19-8 box score. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Impressive. I mean, That's like an ass There wasn't an easy out in that lineup, really. Uh and I'd forgotten about I'd forgotten about Ruben Sierra, yeah, the great, uh, great hitter. Uh, two thousand, yeah, two thousand four ALCS, a series unlike no other. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Boston uh, breaking, breaking the Bambino the, curse. Yeah, hallelujah for them guys. <laughs> yeah, about fucking time. Yeah, uh, first World Series in eighty six years. Never thought I'd ever see the day they'd win one. Uh, nope. Nope. No, I didn't either. I mean, the Bill Buckner curse. I mean, that. Oh, you had to get your Bill uh, Buckner <laughs> reference in there, didn't you? Well, I mean, golly. Yeah. Oh, son. What fun. an episode. Yeah, fun, man. We need to do it more often. Turn it. Uh, Turn around and let you hit me once. Yeah. All right, let's cross this off. I mean, we had the same answers on a couple of them, you know. Yeah. Wow. Uh, for your baseball 
fans out there. I mean, this ought to be good. Everybody said they wanted more baseball, I think. Well, I mean, you know. It is the season of baseball. It, well, yeah. I mean, football, basketball's getting ready to start up. Yeah. And my Steelers are... <laughs> <laughs> what a debacle. It's like, what a debacle. Oh, man. So what are we going to do next week? I guess this is the part where I figure that out, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I mean, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pause this and go take a leak. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Got to go pay the water bill. I don't know what to talk about. We do have 90 options. Well, I mean, minus however many is... We've already taken off the list, which has been a few. Um, so far, page one has the most taken off the list. Um, there's I mean, no- I, I come up with this one, and you come up with the next one. You mean you... Oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I you mean, came I, up with this one. Yeah, I mean, you give me a list. And this was a great episode. You give me a list of what you, you know, choose from, and I'll pick this one. Well, here, I'll tell you what. If you can read my chicken scratch, you got four pages. You go through and give okay. me some options, and then we'll pick it. How about that? There you go. Because two eyes ain't going to look at shit the same way. So you read my chicken scratch. You go through the list there. Pick out a few. There's four pages so far. And I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to do nothing. I'm just going to sit there and pick. I was going to write it down so we didn't forget them. But you just go through, read the scratch. Well, I know. Being this playoff baseball time, I, I, I like the 2009 World Series. That, that would be one of them I would tell uh, you. Okay. So you just yeah. put, a, put a little... Put a little... Asterisk or something? Put a P by it or something. I don't fuck, I don't know. I'll put a little asterisk. A little asterisk. Yeah. A circle. A little asterisk. <laughs> a little asterisk. A little asterisk. And of course, there's a... a, a no, we ended up doing that, didn't we? Which one? Colts 2000. Well, we got that on the back burner. Yeah. I mean, I still save the notes. I'm not saying I want to do it right away, but it's, yeah. it the notes are saved. Okay. So uh, there's another one on there. What's that? The 911 and 2001 World Series. It's going to have a little strong. I'm sticking with baseball because. Well, I mean, it ain't all got to be baseball. I got to pick some other options. I mean, I don't know how I feel about doing baseball back-to-back, but it is baseball season. And we've had feedback that says that... <laughs> they like the few feedback, they like baseball. They like World Series episode. I didn't bring my World Series paper. Fantasy pitcher draft. That's just where we draft pitchers, I guess. That would be pretty cool. That would be challenging because we don't really have any of the stats or information or any bios to go with them you're just picking them could do the ah. what spit well, it out there sonny i'll pick well, it you said no baseball well i didn't say many. that what what else would come I was going to, uh, for a uh, solman chad solman who could do the the <laughs> <laughs> the the 108 year drought since finally they snapped make, they didn't make the playoffs this year wah, 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 you know <laughs> Rim shot. 
Kurt's over here looking at this list hard. So far, there's 90 episodes listed on this list. Can't, Pacers can't get no FA. Can't get no free agents. Yeah. Why is the Pacers not a free agent destination? Right. Why we? Why we? You know, why? What? What did you say in the very first? Why do we, we general draft, manage to yeah, be average? average? I don't get it. In a basketball state. <laughs> well, Peyton Manning would argue that he made it a football state. Well, he can argue all he wants. Yeah. Bobby Knight says different. <laughs> <laughs> Hot take. Are you Mrs. Bobby Knight? No doubt. <laughs> Luck. What's the matter, Luck? He's worked up. He's missing Doyle. Doyle not home, is he? I've never seen Kirk Kelly look at something so hard in all my life. Well, I mean, there's lots to choose from here, and I, and I see ones I'm gravitating towards. What? What's the next one you're gravitating? Well, I mean. It, You'll be like, well, it can't be all baseball. It can't. Pick one that's not baseball. Well, damn it. It's baseball season. Pick one that's not baseball. I don't want it. <sighs> Something in your mind sticking out as a second choice is not baseball. Top 10 draft bust. That's any sport. The biggest draft bust in pro sports history. Well, that's going to be on the list. Okay. That that's one cool. would be fun. Let's see here. Where's that? Fun fact. You know, in the National Football League, no two positions have had more draft busts than the wide receiver and the quarterback. Really? Yes. That makes sense, though, really, don't it? I would think running back would be up there, but there's been more busts at receiver, which I would think would be an easy transition. Just catch the ball! Right, right, right. Yeah, just throw it to him. Yeah. Randy Moss, you say, just chuck it up our dog and I'll go get it. (laughs) Ooh, I like that too. What's that? Top ten running backs of all time. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm gonna put an asterisk by that. Okay. How many you got? Asterisk. One, now four. two, four. Pick a fifth one. I ain't even to the third page yet. Good God, man! Get off the second page. You will controversy. That was with the whole. They took their banners. Oh. Okay, okay. Everything. 2003 NBA draft revisited. That was a draft that had LeBron, Carmelo, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. There you go. Oh, boy. That was tough, bro. There's a lot of good episodes there, I think. Okay. A lot of interesting stuff. If you're a sports fan, for sure. A lot of in- yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we are sports fans. I don't know. I kind of am. You kind of am. Yeah. I'm an analog man. Yeah. I'm stuck in the '80s. You really want to do another baseball one, don't you? I. I, I just feel at home with. I feel more. This is going to break my heart if we do the 09 World Series. Well. And the only, and that's not even a great World Series. I mean, it's it's ranking in the bottom half of the ones that ESPN did. It's just special to me because it was my team defending the title unsuccessfully. I mean, I, I think it – I don't know if I really like the way they ranked it, that stuff. I, I don't know. It's 
right, I'm gonna give ain't you, a bad World go. Series. Hold this. I wouldn't think. All right. All right, so you gave me a list of five. Yep. And we're narrowing it down to two. Yep. It's the 2009 World Series and the top ten running backs of all time. Okay. Heads baseball, tails football. Colton here? Yep. Heads. Oh, I dropped it. I you dropped, it. Well, it don't matter. Where did it land? Right here. It's heads. So, yeah. I guess we're covering. I guess we're covering my Phillies. Yeah. And so we're gonna it, do baseball it, back to back. For you baseball or listeners, are very few that you are that like the baseball. Here you go. We're gonna cram some down your throat. Here's the second baseball <laughs> episode. Okay, so next week we will cover. The 2009 World Series. Now, here's the deal. It's been a while since we've done a Friday. And last time we were scheduled to do a Friday, I had a flake. So we're going to set for a Friday. You had a what? We had, I had a flake on you. It disappeared. <laughs> so we're you, know, gonna, you never did say where you was at, but that's all right. Well. I mean, no, 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 worries, no that's bro. okay. There was, uh, there was a woman involved. I may have had it. Inkling of that. There, uh, there. I, I may have had. Uh, I mean, fuck it. I'm a 34 year old grown right, man. That's right. I had a sleepover. Yeah, we'll call it that. He was awful chirpy the next time I <laughs> seen him for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I know what's going I had a, on. I had a sleepover, and uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, no. Worries, I mean, bro. two consenting adults. Uh, I'm a grown man. That's right. Um, was smart. Was safe. We'll right. leave it at that. That's right. Um, I, I knew what was up. You know, saying. I mean, this isn't safe for work, but she also can't have any more babies, so you know. All right. Probably a good thing. Yeah, Lord, we don't need another one of you. Oh uh, God, I got three already. <laughs> Fun fact, and this is a scary fact. I've kind of got the baby fever again. I'm telling you this yeah. because. My three-year-old is not the baby anymore, and yep. she's getting. And that now happens, it's. Man. And now I'm. Now I'm to the point in my life where I'm thinking I wouldn't mind just one more that fourth man. one and be done. They're a fun, fun age. But I'm not gonna do it unless I'm with somebody because I am not. You know, I'm already paying child support I mean, on three. Yeah. Because it didn't work out. If people ask me well, if I could go back and do things again, there'd be a. My two boys are being age, certain age there that, oh, I'd like to, it was a lot of fun. Uh, when it was Well, I mean, if you wouldn't have spent all your time in the goddamn coal mine trying to provide for them. Well, you know. Yeah. You know. All right. Let's close out here. This one we saved for last because, uh, well, I mean, we're always going to save Nana for close to last, but this one we're going to save for last. Um... Check out Beauty and the Beard Co. Check them out on Facebook or visit their .com. Beauty and the Beard Company. Beauty and the Beard Co. is how you can find them on Facebook or their .com. It's a company based in Marysville, Ohio. Uh, for all of our friends, family, and listeners, if you go to their website and at checkout enter the code STEELTOES15, you can get discount. Ladies, Christmas is coming up. Get your guys some swag. Get them some soaps. Get them some beard kits, oils, brushes, uh, the works. Men, 
treat your beard like you treat a Cadillac, fellas. <laughs> I mean, top of the line. I'm not kidding. They've got great swag, shirts, hats, hoodies, all kinds of stuff. They're soaps. Uh, I have not bought anything yet. I will be getting <laughs> Kurt scratching his beard. But seriously, guys, it's a local company, or I mean, it's not local. It's it's a small owned company based in Marysville, Ohio, and the back and forth communication with these guys—they are legit. They are awesome. They are great people. Give them your business, and like I said, when you go to checkout, enter the discount code Steel Toes Fifteen to get discounted merchandise, and that's Beauty and the Beard Co. So I need to check him out myself. Yeah, and do something with him. Some of the gray out. You know, COVID sets in your beard. <laughs> oh yeah, it's your bet. <laughs> God, he came to work that Monday, and I'm like, sure "What the bet. hell happened to you, Ron Jeremy?" He goes, "Oh, the they said COVID gets in my beard." I'm like, "They Doyle, lied to you, Doyle, head fucker." <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Playing the trick on the old man. That's all right. Oh, God. So, okay. What a great episode. Yeah. What a damn, damn good episode, bro. Yeah, great series. Hell yeah, it was. Historic. Oh, absolutely. For sure. <laughs> all right. So, uh, we should play a little tune to kind of to exit out of here. I don't know what we should play. Um, Freebird. No, no, I'll play. I'll play something here. Uh, I mean, whatever I play, we we definitely don't own the rights to any of this. So, um, I don't really know what to play. I'll just play. I'll just. How about I just play something, huh? How about this? We'll just play a little outro music to kind of set the mood. This was a great episode. Set the mood. That sounded kind of weird. Um, uh, how about some uh, We Are the Champions uh, for the Red Sox? You know they were playing it. Queen? Yep. Okay. All right. We can do that. Uh, we don't own the rights to this content. Yeah. I don't know. Our, our podcasts get uploaded to YouTube. Uh, it's just no video. It's just our logo, and it's the sound wave of our voices talking. But YouTube might flag it and take it down. But uh, anyways, for the Red Sox. This is, uh, they go on to win the World Series after playing in arguably the best league championship series in the majors. So. That is kind of fitting. I'll, yeah. I'll give you some. That's what first thing that comes to my mind, dude. There you go. To this day, this pisses Yankees fans. Oh, yeah. He goes there. All right, guys. For Kurt Kelly, I'm Jared Atkins. This was an episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. And may you enjoy the sounds of Freddie Mercury, a national treasure. Peace. Peace.